The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Spotcast Season 4, Episode 1. We're back! We're back! Woo! We're back! Hooray. I mean, never gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> the unflappable Jaime Lopez. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there! And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the left coast in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All righty. So it's start eight nine eight eight three zero mark six four. For those of you playing along at home, uh, quick fact check. And it's been a while since we were on. I can't even remember. I, I vaguely remember the, the context of this question, but um, I think I was talking about the fact that David Tennant's father-in-law was also a doctor of, of lore, um, and uh, and that's actually the correct pronunciation. It's not Doctor Who. It's the doctor um yeah so peter davidson played the doctor after um oh man what's this game name uh <laughs> you fell down your own rabbit hole yeah i fell down my own rabbit hole so peter davidson uh it plays the doctor he is the father of david tennant's wife so David Tennant and uh, is his father, David, or Peter Davidson is David Tennant's father-in-law. And there's been like many times when they're seen out at dinner together and people just, their minds get blown, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so we, we've, you know, since we've been away for a while, we have a lot of stories to cover. Um, we've been culling them here and before we record. And so Jonathan's going to lead off with some trick news. No, N-uh-uh. it's been so long. We forgot how this works. So <laughs> in our show notes, I'm actually first, which I can understand because the the jvk also starts with j you just skim to look for t's for tim's oh, so <laughs> it's all yeah it's a boring story i don't know why you people are even tuning in go ahead <laughs> so what has happened we've talked about nickelodeon getting this uh four kids star trek show called star trek prodigy um that was originally going to debut on nickelodeon but in the whole new paramount plus version of the world which is cbs all access but now with Viacom CBS combining together with Paramount, they've rebranded under the more global brand of Paramount Plus. And so now Star Trek Prodigy will debut on Paramount Plus before going to Nickelodeon, presumably for 
free over the air. Well, or cable over the air, I guess. It's not really over the air. And this is the one where Captain Kate's going to be on it as well? Well, uh, Admiral, or sorry, Catherine Janeway is going to be on, uh, and so this is an animated series. So, you know, as a, as a voice actor, presumably, unless they do like Blue's Clues or something. Um, (laughs) And it's unclear, you know, where (laughs) in the timelines is the state? Because we know from uh, Star Trek Nemesis that Catherine Janeway was eventually promoted to Admiral, but, you know, it could be that there was some period of time between bringing Voyager back, you know, spoilers for Voyager. Maybe she stole Voyager, went to rescue Tuvok or something. Yeah, I mean, people are looking at the, the main characters here, and, and they look largely like new species, although there are some folks who are thinking that, hey, the second person from the left, we'll have the link in the show notes for those of you uh, transporting at home, might be a Talaxian. So people are wondering, is this mm, one true. of Neelix's folks? Like a very sort of stylized and, and sort of portly, chubby Talaxian, but, but possibly. So. And, and I think they said at one point that the entire bridge crew is non-human, right? That that was sort of a milestone that they were they were going to hit with this one. Yeah, I'm looking at all the, the characters that they show here, and uh, not a single one looks like a human, so it, it's going to be something kind of different, and, and animation lends itself to that for sure. And, so. and this one species there doesn't have two arms, two legs, two two eyes, and ears, you know? Well, that just undoes, undoes an entire Star Trek Next Generation episode. Does it? Well, remember the one where they find out why they all have two arms, two legs, one head? Yeah, and... I didn't buy that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Yeah, that too convenient. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, whatever. I, I also saw a little tidbit related to Prodigy Online that um, Billy Campbell is going to be reprising his role from TNG as the outrageous Okona for Star Trek Prodigy. He said that in a podcast recently. Billy Campbell, remind me who that is? He was uh, he was in a, a memorable sort of uh, a rogue, a roguish type character who uh, interacted with the Enterprise D in an, I think it was season two or three uh he was a guest star and made an impression as this sort of you know uh, ne'er-do-well but was actually doing well uh character that sort of had this cult fandom around him and uh yeah rocketeer that's who he is well yeah 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 yeah. um but he's going to apparently come back and and reprise his role on this show which is kind of neat too canada's own isn't he i don't know if billy campbell's canadian he's in cardinal which is a great show i've been Mm -hmm. watching for years yeah that's why i recognize the name yeah, he's again. He's had a, a you know a thirty year acting career, um, and again, really his impact on Star Trek is that one episode. But I guess it was so memorable that uh, he's got a got a fan base around him. So he's back. He's back. All right, cool. All right, what's next? Oh, some guy had a birthday. It was some guy's birthday, and a funny birthday it was. So William Shatner, beloved Montrealer, Canadian, was uh, celebrating his ninetieth birthday this week, and you know we're we're all on board for the shot. I'm glad he's still with us. Uh, we've unfortunately lost mm-hmm. so many members of the original crew so far. And, and he decided to celebrate this by telling uh, People magazine that he has never watched Star Trek. The TV show. The, t- the TV show. And as a matter of fact, the movies as well. He said the only movie he's actually seen is the one that he made, <laughs> which oh, is the fine. worst yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the only thing that William Shatner, legendary uh, actor, Captain Kirk himself, has mm-hmm. never seen a single episode of the TV show and none of the movies but for the worst one. Now, right. if I had seen just that one, I wouldn't watch anymore either. But I wasn't <laughs> into damn things either. So Yeah, well, he uh, he also, there was another story too about him this week that he did something like he had himself... Um, oh, he turned himself into AI. Digitized, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, he's, he's his gift to humanity. He's, he's turning 
turning himself into AI so that he can be an interactive AI long after he goes. So was that the video that they showed of the guy talking to him? Was it were they talking to the physical guy or was that supposed to be talking to the AI? I didn't yeah, really not, watch it. Yeah, I'm not clear on, on what that was about, but um, yeah. Yeah, we never watched it, Bill. So sorry, sorry, Bill. You... We watched the Star Trek show. We're busy watching that. We didn't have time to watch your weird AI <laughs> play. Video, yeah, like, oh, TJ Hooker or, or Boston Legal or or or, or you know, my favorite. One of my favorite Twilight Zones is the is the one where he's on the plane and the yes. he's oh, the that's a great episode. Passenger. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the gremlin on the wing. Oh, that's such a good yeah. episode. Yeah, that was before. And, Le- and Leonard Nimoy was in a couple of those too, actually. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, more follow up for next time. Yep. Off and. To you. Uh, another little piece from uh, this week that was really interesting. So uh, Wesley Snipes uh, is back in the news because he was one of the actors in the new Coming to America movie on Amazon. The Eddie Which Murphy, great, the Arsenio yeah. Hall flick. A really funny uh, sort of sequel to the original 1990s movie. And when he was making the rounds, somebody asked him the question, hey, um, is it true that you were up for the role of Jordy LaFont? forge and he said yeah i was actually and talks about how kind of close he came to being uh in that role which is uh, i i never heard that previously i thought that was really interesting he says yes it was true i think it was back in the 80s and i was disappointed i didn't get it not as disappointed as it was of not getting a role in the original coming to america but it turned out pretty good because if i had that role i would have been on television more and i wouldn't have had a chance to do more movies but interesting that can you guys imagine Wesley Snipes circa 1986, 87 being Jordy LaForge? Mm. It's a it's a weird one given where his career ends up going. Um, but I guess, I don't know, I guess even LeVar Burton's is kind of weird where he's, you know, you don't have to take my word for it, reading Rainbow Guy and also well, and very, serious, yeah, very serious actor Kunta Kinte. So it's like very, very sort of wildly different sort of thing. So maybe, yeah. maybe Wesley Snipes could have. But he was Kunta Kinte before he was Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Well, that's the, the thing. It's like, uh, I mean, I was not really of the age to understand this, but historically I'm under the impression that it was very mm-hmm. sort of weird to have Michael Keaton, the comedian, cast as Batman. And uh, right. I just oh, yeah. knowing him as, you know, one of my favorite Batman. Oh, it was, a, it was a big kerfuffle when he was announced. People were like, the Mr. Mom? Really? Mr. Mom yeah. is going to be Batman? That was, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was, he, people were really questioning. And he was a stand-up comic before that, too. Like, people were really not sure that was going to work out and it did so you yeah. never know yeah. maybe he would have been like the baddest version of of Jordy LaForge he would have been like way more intense yeah I'm not sure I hadn't read that somewhere in in IMDb like in the I, I think it was one of those things that that people had sort of you know forgotten had, well or had known like mentioned and stuff like that but it never really had talked to him about it but uh, yeah I thought it was an interesting little, little tidbit anyways cool and next we have well this was a, uh, a big story this week uh, so we have been following this <laughs> as have a lot of Marvel fans, and there are a lot of Marvel fans. So we knew that, uh, you know, they have been bumping their movies around all over the place the last year or so because of the pandemic. And we weren't sure how that was going to play out when it came to the long anticipated and much delayed Black Widow movie starring Scarlett Johansson. The movie was scheduled to be coming out at the beginning of May, which is very soon. And while there are some places in the world and and in North America where you can go and see a movie now, there certainly is not enough... Uh, that, you know, sort of gets into that regular Marvel, we expect a billion bucks out of our movies kind of uh, area. 
So this week, they finally confirmed, after much speculation, that Black Widow is coming to Disney+. Plus. Now, it's still going to be available in theaters in places that you can go and watch a movie. So if you want to, if you have it available and you want to go uh, to a movie theater, you'll be able to see it. But they have bumped it, too. They've bumped it to July the 9th. So it's going to be treated just like Mulan was and um, like the new Pixar or not. Is it Pixar or Disney? I guess it's just Disney, the uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, uh, where mm-hmm. you pay a premium. It's, I think, 30 bucks and uh, you pay your 30 bucks and you get to watch it as much as you want. And then the expectation is that just like Mulan and uh, and previous films, you'll then be able to watch the movie for free you know, three, four months after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also, as part of that same move, they bumped a couple other things around. They, they moved the release date for Shang-Chi and, uh, and a couple of other pictures as well. Are you guys in any way surprised that they finally made this move? Well, based on what we saw with, with Wonder Woman, no, not at all, you know? Yeah. I, that, I uh, was until I saw an article uh, last night or today that said, oh, they sort of didn't really have a choice because um, there's stuff that is going to need to be shown in Black Widow before all these other films can, can happen. So um, we'll maybe talk a little bit about this, but WandaVision was not supposed to be the first one of the series. It was supposed to be um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, kind of a more yes. traditional show, and then go into the weirdness. And then, okay, now that's going to line up into the Doctor Strange sequel that got thrown a little bit for a loop, not too bad between these two shows. But but this article that I had seen had said, oh, well, they really need Black Widow to happen prior to um, the uh, the Hawkeye series and prior to Shang-Chi and a whole bunch of other things. So uh, I think they might have just to bite the bullet and say, OK, forget it. Like the consequence of having this highly tied together, you know, multi-series idea is that some of these have to go out at certain times, you know, yeah. no matter what. So the rest of them can line up properly. So it does continue the big bonanza too, because we're going to come from one division and then a, I think a week or a week off, and then we're going to get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then we've got a few weeks, and then it goes into Loki, and then that'll key right into uh, Black Widow coming out after that. So it, it is still sort of a, a big progression, but uh, it's nice that the options available again in, in places like you know where, where uh, Tim and I live, you know, there there's not a realistic chance you'll be able to see this in the theaters. Uh, you know, in the foreseeable future. So it's nice to have the option on the table. Yeah. And this is Disney plus premium thing. Like, you know, so just so folks understand you, you you are effectively buying it, but only in concert with your Disney plus subscription. So you'd still need to maintain Disney plus to continue it. So I probably will, will break open my wallet for, for this movie, but I did not do that for Mulan and I did not do that for Raya and the last dragon. So I'll probably wait out Raya and the last dragon to let it be free. Uh, or at least I presume it will be free on Disney Plus at some point and then mm-hmm. pay for Black Widow. And it makes sense um, in that way, too, that they, they have it come out and, you know, then maybe by the fall it'll be there. And then hopefully that'll give people, even if they're waiting for it for free, that'll give them a chance to watch it before the next sequence of, of films start to release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, of uh, films coming out, the next Spider-Man has a date and uh, it has a title. So Spider-Man No Way Home, continuing in the um, homecoming and far from home sort of way of, of naming the subtitles is apparently, and granted, this is an article from February 24th of 2021. So I did not check to see if this is still true. <laughs> apparently, this is coming out only in theaters December 17th, 2021. Yeah. Or, you know, stay tuned. Or stay tuned. There is no like 
Sony Plus that I'm aware of, but I actually don't remember if this is still in partnership with Sony or has reverted. Or yeah, not. no, this one is in partnership still. However, um, the previous two Disney Sony collaborations are not available on Disney Plus. So I would be really curious to see what might happen if that does come to pass. Will they just bump it into next year? Will they move their whole schedule or will they have to reach some sort of agreement to put that on, on Disney Plus? Because there is, as you were, you're right, Jaime, there's no there's no other venue for it, really. So it's either delay or Disney Plus right, or, or they right. go straight VOD. What was that? Um, I guess this is semi-spoilers for, for Shit's Creek, the Canadian <laughs> show. Like, was it Interflix was the, the made up streaming service for like weirdo movies? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I want to get a, what the, what the, the Crow movie, um, Crow 3. They have a Crow 3 t-shirt you can get. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was like Crow 3, the crow inning or something. <laughs> the crow inning, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. The the next one I've got is about something I have been hoping for since I was a boy. Uh, there is talk that the last Starfighter sequel might actually happen. Hmm. So this has been sort of brewing in the background for a little while now that there was, um, you know, a lot of people who love that movie from, I think it was 1984. Um, and a lot of people have wanted that to happen. So Gary Witta, who is the writer of Book of Eli and Rogue One, has mm-hmm. been working with the original writers, a guy named Jonathan Butel. Butel? Butel? Uh, and they are, have been working on this and trying to basically get a good idea down and work their way through it. And today, just today, they released a basically a sizzle reel of the concept art to the music from the original soundtrack and uh, with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of taste of what it might look like. And uh, I got to admit, I was pretty excited. And he said, you know, uh, see, what was the quote? There was a great quote on um, on his Twitch stream today. He said, it's right on the one yard line and he believes it will happen. Mm, cool. So, yeah, I mean, again, cool concept. It seems like something you could easily move into, you know, the next now you bring back, you know, Alex Rogan, the kid who played the video game so well that he got drafted into the Space Army and and went off to become the last Starfighter. I think you could carry that forward into, you know, a, a new one, you know, come next generation, bring back some new people and stuff like that. It's not a remake they're talking about. It's a sequel. So they're talking about sort of carrying the concept forward, you know, 40 years. And, and so he's playing on his Nintendo Switch instead this time? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to set it up. If it's going to be like a VR thing or how, the, how they're going to do it. But um yeah, again, it seems like a no-brainer that, you know, the concept itself works really well. You know, unlikely hero, you know, gets swept up in a space adventure. It, it, it really is a, a, a timeless kind of picture, although it's very rooted in the 80s if you go back and watch the original. But it, uh, yeah, I think it could be it could be a really good one. And uh, I recommend people check out. We'll have the, uh, the, the um, sizzle reel for people to have a look at. But it's very cool. I really, really think that could work. Yeah, I, my understanding is it's one of the first movies to use CGI. Um, it was. Was it the first? I knew it was one of the earliest, but wasn't sure. If no, it's... the first one, it was, it was, is that the one where the, you know, the, the first time they used a, a CGI character was a, a stained glass window that comes to life and is a, a knight and fights somebody with a sword. Yeah, but this one's one of the that first was... ones 
ones where they where the space scenes and stuff like that they didn't use model work they did the whole thing on computer and -hmm. it was for the time it was like an unbelievable step forward again it doesn't hold up perfectly now but when you look at that within the context of when it was made it's pretty remarkable right right and the last thing before we get off of this topic because i had to go look up the last starfighter i have seen the movie it's been a very long time um i was a very young (laughs) child when i saw this and i said oh my gosh what was going on with aliens in the 1980s and if you again you'll you'll have to to pull over your vehicle and and (laughs) go do this yourself but look up the last starfighter take a look at the alien guy okay get that mental image now go look up enemy mine uh, oh yeah a movie movie like two two, human and an alien guy having to like trust each other and then think about that concept of have to trust each other and work together even though they're not you know friends and then think about darmok the episode from star trek the next generation and look at that guy and say wait a minute these are all like the same person like this like the same alien species practically did that one makeup artist get like passed around or what was the deal yeah i have no idea i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) that's a funny observation there's there's lots of instances where where costumes were passed around and sets were passed around oh yeah so oh yeah i mean it's definitely not literally the same but like you know you 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 turn and look and then you turn and look at something else you'd be like is that the same one it's that close you'd have to think about it yeah yeah well for for like you know warn spoiler warning for a future episode of podcast i was watching um re-watching firefly and and the alliance well, you know the army guys their helmets look a lot like uh like that other movie um the, the highland one um uh, starship troopers starship troopers yeah mm-hmm. the helmets mm-hmm. look exactly like the same outfits just painted slightly different right i have to go and check that out on imdb to see if they borrowed stuff that's cool yep uh, back to Disney Plus, because apparently you, Disney Plus is uh, where everything's happening. The Star Wars holiday special, in part, is coming to Disney Plus. Now, you should have said just Star Wars holiday special and let people like try not to you know throw up in their throats. Right? Oh, I, I'll, I'll let that soak in for a second. The Star Wars holiday special is, in part, coming to Disney Plus. Dramatic pause. Uh, The cartoon in which Boba Fett makes his debut is going to be coming to Disney Plus. Now, they're not going to put the rest of the special up, including, you know, B. Arthur's musical number, uh, Harvey Corman's cooking show, some of the really tragic parts of that. So this is actually from the holiday special? This is actually, it made its debut uh, in the holiday special. Uh, It was the first time we ever saw Boba Fett. It was produced by Canada's Nelvana Studios, and uh, it was the first time we ever saw the character of Boba Fett. And so they're bringing that to Disney Plus so that people can actually see that in legitimate form. Now, Disney has gone way out of its way since this was announced to say, uh, the original, uh, this little animated short is called The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. They've gone way out of their way to say nothing else from the holiday special is coming there. However, in addition to that, they are also bringing The Caravan of Courage and The Battle for Endor, the two Ewoks TV, made-for-TV movies, to Disney Plus, too. So it is going to be a delightful time for cheesy Star Wars. Wow. Heavy cheese to Star Wars. Yes. Oh, and they're also bringing the Gennady Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, which I'm excited about. I loved that series. I thought that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So this is the guy who did um, Samurai Jack. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did two sort of short seasons of these little, like five, six minutes. I can't remember what they were. They're shorts. 
of these little short episodes that were sort of bridging uh, the, you know, it was the original Clone Wars. And he did them and they aired them, I think, both in Canada and the United States. They were on the cartoon channels. And I thought they were amazing, really, really interesting, really well done. It explains how uh, um, Anakin got some of the scars on his face and in combat and some of those things. Really, really interesting uh, take on that. And of course, this predates the, the Clone Wars cartoon that most of us know, of course, which was you know cgi um so that'll be an interesting one to go back and revisit because i thought that was excellent cool yeah yeah um dexter's laboratory dexter's lab is uh, yeah. another one of the he had a whole bunch of shows around that same time on on cartoon network adult swim yeah uh, type era yep yeah no and a, a really really um different take on the on that sort of universe very quiet those episodes like not a lot of dialogue a lot of just sort of you know action and and it was very sort of samurai prequel kind of thing going on there um, next up, just a quick one. So we had talked in a previous episode about the fact that uh, the CW had optioned doing a new TV show based on Wonder Girl. And the Wonder Girl that they were going to focus on was this new character that had been created for a, a limited DC Comics event called Future State. And they were going to take this story of this, uh, you know, unusual new character and turn it into a show. Apparently, they passed on it. So uh, we talked about, you know, how what an interesting and weird choice it was to do this. Apparently, whatever it was they were thinking about, they've decided not to go forward with it. So that one is kiboshed. So we don't have to worry about that one anymore. Cross that one off your CW list. Good, good. Go on. One last thing. Yep. Um, speaking of Star Wars... We have not had an episode of Spotcast since the uh, untimely or timely, as you depend on your perspective, demise of Cara Dune. Uh, the fact that Gina Carano, who played Cara Dune on the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, uh, was fired from her role on the show uh, after some controversial tweets on social media. And uh, not only has she been removed from that role, but there was rumors that she was going to be the lead in in the um, Rangers of the New Republic show that they had announced. And uh, they never confirmed that, although I think a lot of us speculated that that would make sense because the character was popular and uh, had been established. But that is uh, was a bit of a, a surprising, kind of surprising move. She had she had sort of uh, dipped her toes in, the, in the, the flames a few times, but had come out unscathed. And uh, I guess she went a bridge too far for Disney and they finally pulled the plug on, on her involvement. And this led to some interesting ramifications not the least of which is the fact that um, they have said they will no longer even manufacture any uh, toys with her likeness. Really? Wow. They are Ooh. sort of going oh. kind of scorched earth on her. So um, they canceled future releases of Cara Dune action figures. The very last figure they're going to put out is one that uh, my dear uh, my dear colleague Tim has kindly given me for Christmas that is on its way. Uh, they're doing hope. a vintage series. <laughs> uh, we hope, yeah. Uh, they're doing a vintage series where they're, they're doing a series of Mandalorian figures that look exactly like the 1970s and 80s Star Wars figures uh, with the packaging and the sort of stiff arms and everything like that. They look really sort of retro and fantastic. Uh, that is going to be the last Cara Dune figure that they release. And after that, mm. they're not doing any more. They've canceled any future releases and they're not making any more of her old figures. So if you go on to sites like eBay or uh, uh, you know Marketplace or other places like that, her figures are now selling for upwards of $100 because they aren't making it anymore. But I saw somewhere that Gina Car- Carano is going to has is going to end up on some show. Didn't she get some other work or something like that? She she did sign with um she signed to do a project 
for a network that I had never heard of before. Um, Jaime, maybe you have more insight into this. It was something in the United States. It was a, led by a right-wing um, organization that wanted to get into more production, and she was going to move on to that to do more work, but it was certainly not of the stature of, of Star Wars. Yeah, it's kind of the equivalent of like getting booted off of Twitter and then having to move to Parlor as the, the place <laughs> that you do your business, right? It's, I had not heard of it until this came up that she has new roles with an alt-right at least very yes. far-right leaning production company so mm-hmm. so continue to have work um and she was also yeah. she was dropped like she was dropped pretty hard across the board she lost her agency like uh, she sort of was became persona non grata in a big way. Um, I don't know how to, I mean, we, we've run into these things before where, you know, you sort of get a character and then, you know, you get these clashes where sometimes it's the character is cut because the actor or actress uh, doesn't work out with the, the studio or doesn't work out with the showrunner or the director of things. Um, you know, this sort of cancel culture thing that's that's happening here. Obviously, there's been, a, that's been a term that's been thrown around a lot, uh, especially on social media and especially uh, on sort of, you know, right wing media the last little while the, the the idea that you know say the wrong thing and you're gonna get canceled um is is sort of relatively new concept as far as these things happening but um it seems to me like disney is gonna hold a pretty uh pretty hard line on this stuff like they don't seem like they're messing around and maybe they were making an example of her is basically saying like you know anybody who is working on these marvel star wars you know big projects that really matter to us if you cross these lines you know they're they are gonna go scorched earth mm, interesting it's it's disappointing i mean i realistically it's disappointing as a fan because you know she had turned into um you know an interesting character enough that you know they were obviously looking at spinning her off and that you know she had some moments in the show i don't think she was you know a, a star yet but certainly somebody that you know was was a good character and and again you know from the show's perspective you know a somewhat positive portrayal of you know uh, uh of a strong woman who you know uh was not the damsel in distress at any point. And those are all positive things we like to see in our shows. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, again, especially in a show with, you know, you know the, like Pedro Pascal could lose his job tomorrow. He wears a mask all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. you got to be really careful when you're dealing with a, an organization that has tied itself so stringently to, you know, the kind of values that the Disney uh, tries to to you know keep itself to so yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was going to say was that the, the you know it's kind of like the the known thing for years is you know if you're looking for a job or whatever you got to be careful what you put on social medias and what you say because they could go you know people could go back in yeah. time and find something you said and here's a, a case where a high profile person lost her her job or her role because of something she did on on the socials as it were right? well and it happened we, we talked about it in a previous episode and and I just it realized how it was playing out. So the actor who played the elongated man on the Flash TV show uh, had found himself in hot water for some previous social media posts and was also fired from the show. And they just wrapped up the first, well, the, it's the first new episodes of this year were the final three episodes of the season that they didn't get to finish last year. Mm-hmm. And they had that character appear in two scenes, one in which he was like horribly burned so you couldn't recognize 
recognize his face and one in which he was wearing a Daft Punk-esque helmet so you couldn't hear his voice nor see his face. And then they basically said, and we're going off to, I have to go and save the, go back to my home planet now. And they just wrote him right out of the show. Really? So again, I, I think, you know, it, it speaks so much to these things, you know, that, that, you know, your digital life exists out there and you have to be really careful what you say because it can have really big ramifications on your future. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and one last little bit of Star Trek news. So speaking of casting in Star Trek, the actor who played Aladdin in the live action remake, the Disney live action remake of Aladdin, it's a, a man named Mina Masood, has fueled a little speculation that maybe he's going to be showing up on the, uh, the Star Wars live action Disney plus scene soon as he's been quoting lines from Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels. Now Ezra, a character on Rebels is uh, brown. He's darker skinned and as is uh, Mina Masood. So there's a little bit of a resemblance there and uh, there's been a lot of speculation, none of which has been confirmed that perhaps he's either got the job or he's lobbying hard to get the job. And given his past association with Disney, that that would make sense and um i know i don't know if you guys have watched all of rebels but there is um it does tie into the forthcoming ahsoka storyline so mm. that would make a lot of sense yeah i'm still trying to catch up on all those shows yeah yeah it, it's uh it's a luxury and a torture to have so much content out there <laughs> yeah exactly and time and time so i've got a story here about uh, kim's convenience uh Paul Sunwing from Kim's Convenience, who plays Appa, the uh, the mm-hmm. older grand, older gentleman. Um, it's about my age, actually, I guess so. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he plays uh, the the father on the show. He also appeared as Captain Tiva, I think was his name on on the uh, I guess it was Mandalorian, right? Yeah, so Mandalorian and, a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. so this the story here from the Calgary Herald where he's being interviewed, um, and uh, he he's basically a longtime member of the five hundred five hundred first Legion. And uh, you know he's been a uh, he's been um, wearing you know, seen around wearing uh, you know his Star Wars uh, costumes that he's made and over the years and he's also got he's also went to uh, like uh, Fan Expo and Comic Con dressed as as a Ghostbuster once as well and he made his own backpack and stuff and apparently Dave Filoni is a fan of Kim's Convenience and that's how the sort of things mm-hmm. came together uh, and that's how he one of the reasons why he ended up on the show but if you're interested read this article and I bring it up bring up Kim's Convenience because because uh, I keep telling Jaime and, and Mark on the Slack channel that you see shot, you see clips of Toronto um, around around you know it, it, you know interspersed in the in the you know what do you call the smash cuts right, mm. um, and a lot of the shots that are you see are literally my neighborhood like where like the cor- the street corner where I catch this you know the, where the beer store used to be John and there's, yeah yeah there's a scene with that one and they play soccer at the park at the top of the hill from us and. Yeah. Yeah, seen seen. Uh, in fact, in this new season, which Jaime's gonna have to wait a while to see, uh, there's a couple more shots of my neighborhood too. So interesting stuff. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And this is another one that I think is really funny. I saw this on Twitter just the other day, and I and I thought I got to put this in the show. Um, somebody's observed, and actually, I think it was Mark Hamill who 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 replied that he'd never even thought about this. But um, Luke Skywalker has a problem with technology. <laughs> he so I call this Luke Skywalker the Luddite. You know, so when he's trying to use the the 
the binoculars to see the sand people. He can't see them. He can't figure out how to get the sand, sand uh, thing, the binocular thing to work. He can't see to, to fight the, the little orb when he's got the, the blast shield down over his face. He can't see when he's wearing a stormtrooper helmet. And he, when he's trying to you know blow up the Death Star, he has to turn off his computer because he can't use the computer to find the hole and get it in there. <laughs> So, so yeah. Apparently, uh, Mark, uh, Luke Skywalker's a luddite. Is that so. why in the in the second movie he resorts to riding around on a giant beast that's gonna snuff it in the cold? Maybe, yeah, could be. Could be. <laughs> they yeah, were like, exactly. "Dude, take a snowspeeder." He's like, "No, I'm good. I'm gonna take this giant yeah, animal maybe, out here." Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's dangerous in a snowspeeder. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I like well, it. He does crash his snowspeeder too, doesn't he? Uh, he does. He gets shot out of the sky and and yeah. his, kills wingman and gets killed. Sure, sure. Poor Dak. Yeah. I feel yes. like he could take on the whole empire by himself. And like 10 minutes later, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we have some sad news. I think we'll let Yeah, Johnson a little, little sad news, a little sad news. We we have in the last couple of months lost some legends and some really, uh, some performers who I think we all really love. Um, and, and so we'll run down and maybe have a little, little, little RIP for each one of these people. But uh, over the past little while, we, we lost uh, Christopher Plummer, of course, Canadian uh, acting icon, um, really relevant for this audience. He was, of course, uh, General Chang Chang in Star Trek VI, uh, this great Shakespeare-quoting villain. Uh, Cry Havoc! William William Shatner was his understudy. Oh, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, you know, a lot of people remember Christopher Plummer from Sound of Music, of course. That's one of his most famous roles. Uh, But, I mean, this this was an absolutely legendary actor, you know, Oscar winner, uh, you you know, 60 years career, just an absolute legend and and not the least of which is in in this show's mind we talk about him all the time being subbed in for uh kevin spacey in uh one of his last <laughs> roles and so you know the ongoing jokes about christopher Plummer being subbed in for any actor who gets fired we were like oh now he can't play cara dune damn right, um yeah. it, it you know he was uh he was an icon and he will absolutely be missed uh, mm. Cloris Leachman, another one, uh, again, huge, long career, tons of awards, uh, just an absolute icon, um, star, of course, in, in, um, you know, some of the, the Mel Brooks movies, uh, she was, you know, just one of the greatest comedians of the last, you know, 50 years and summer of 42, wasn't she in that? No, it was the black and white movie with, um, the dude. Oh, anyway, uh, oh uh, and- yeah. Um, oh God. Um, Last. She also plays Frau Broker in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was in uh, High Anxiety. And right. I mean, she was just Very she was more. so yeah. good. Um, Last Picture Show, I think is the one you're thinking Last of. Last Picture, Last Picture Show. Picture yeah, Show. That's the one. Yeah, um, that's yeah, again, I think she won an Oscar for that. Um, yeah. She was, you know, just everywhere. And of course, you know, she, she was famously on Facts of Life in the 1980s, um, taking over for Mrs. Garrett. And she sort of developed a, a lot of fans for fans at that point. Um, so yeah, again, another one that's just a huge icon that we've lost. Uh, Yafit Koto also passed away and people may not know Yafit Koto by his name, but boy, this guy's career, um, you know, science fiction wise, very, very famous science fiction role. He was one of the original crew of the Nostromo in, in Alien. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was also one of the uh, game show contestants on Arnold Schwarzenegger's... Uh, Wasn't night- he also Canadian? I hate to keep going. No, he's American. He was an American. Oh. Um, um, he was uh, one of the 
the, the game show contestants with Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Running Man in 1987. And again, one of the most famous roles that he ever had was uh, Live and Let Die. He was the bad guy in, uh, in James Bond, uh, Roger Moore's first James Bond movie in 1973. So this guy, uh, yeah, just a huge titan of, of films and, and in a lot of different roles. Um, again, I think he was... Uh the rumor is that came out upon his death this week that he was under consideration for the role as the captain of the Enterprise D for uh, before Patrick Stewart was. And the reason why he was uh, not interested or didn't pursue it more aggressively is that he had already done a couple of science fiction things at that point and didn't want to become typecast. Typecast, wow. Well, hmm. But again, another interesting sliding doors moment for uh, for him. And, and again, just a, a huge career. Uh, I wondered actually... Um, as I was thinking about him and reading the obituaries, uh, if if Yafit, the character from uh, the Orville, was named after him, hmm. yeah, that's well, a you... good question because I was spelled differently, uh, but still, yeah, I was wondering when I saw it written here if that was a, a, a weird connection there. Yeah, uh, and then we lost two more people this week that that hurt. Um, George Siegel, again, legendary actor, um, most recently well known for the last, I think seven or eight years he's been on uh, the goldbergs in the united states uh the abc show very popular comedy um but i mean this guy was all over the place he's he's all just, kinds of stuff yeah. just shoot me again another famous sitcom that he was on and before that again he was a you know an oscar nominated actor for for years and years and years um again he had almost a 60 year career he was 87 when he passed away this week um another just a titan and again just handsome leading man still handsome at 87 you know crazy how uh, you know genetics works for some of these people um but yeah it uh he's another one who just he he started off as a serious actor he moved into some comedy roles and really made his chops and doing these different comedy parts and, and made these sort of really sort of kind of sketchy characters into very likable characters he just had a really a really nice personality about the way he brought life to these characters i just I, i'm a huge fan and I'm, I'm really sad that he's gone um, so his and, top reference on imdb is who's afraid of a virginia Woolf? of course and that's he was nominated for an oscar for that um and i think both he and richard burton were nominated and didn't win but then elizabeth taylor and i can't recall who the supporting actress was won but it was nominated for every award that year and, and did really well. And that really sort of kick jump started his career. Um, yeah, again, just a Titan. And, and the, the hardest one, the one that really killed me today, um, unfortunately passed away. Uh, Jessica Walter died today at age 80. Um, she was Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development is probably the role that a lot of people know her for. But again, a huge long list of acting credentials. Um, and the role that I loved her most for was she has been the voice of Mallory Archer on, on Archer for the yeah. past 10 years. And she is unbelievably talented in that role. And, and I'm just I'm devastated that she won't continue in that role anymore. I'm, I, and it absolutely killed me this morning when I saw this news or this afternoon when I saw this news. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, a, a rough stretch. We've lost all these incredible performers, but uh, but I mean, man, what a legacy all of them leave behind for yeah, us. Yeah, she was also the uh, the killer in Play Misty for me. She was, was yeah, Clint, yeah. I think it was the Clint, Clint Eastwood movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, His yeah. first directed movie. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Famously sure. in Carmel, California. Well, there you go. Where he ended up being he was mayor, the mayor, right? He was the mayor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, show. Yeah. So I mean. Tough, tough stretch, but I mean, all of them uh, were older, so there's at least a little small mercy in that, and uh, and all of them had incredibly illustrious careers. So you know, thanks to them, and boy, you know, 
what a what a bunch of careers. I just bang out a couple of real quick Doctor Who ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we were talking about do- where Doctor Who is on in the states. It's on HBO Max in the U.S. Um, it's on C- Basic Crave here in Canada because we were talking about that the other day. I think we were talking about the, the replay of the, the the new the second generation of Doctor Who's right, starting with Christopher Eccleston, right? Yep. And Doctor Who number four. The person I couldn't remember his name is Tom Baker. Right. But there's a really cool clip here on on YouTube where he explains to his assistant um, about interdimensional engineering and explains why the TARDIS is bigger, uh, larger on the inside than it is on the outside. So if you're interested, if you've ever wondered about that, <laughs> check out this uh, this short little video on YouTube. Nice. So that's that. We're just going to skip ahead to the to the main meat of the show. I think so. I think we're ready. All right. So this week we're going to take a couple of, we're taking a break from Star Trek because there ain't no Star Trek right now. I mean, there's plenty of Star Trek, but you know what I mean. No no fresh new meat, new meat, new meat for us to, to dig into. So we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to talk about WandaVision, and then we're going to talk about the uh, that other big movie that came out last week. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Justice League. Yeah. Right, well, I, I do have something to say about the Justice League before we dig into it, but let's let's talk about, uh, yeah, WandaVision. Wanda and Vision. WandaVision. Wait, I get it. Well, um, I don't I think, I don't know that we need to get into a too de- detailed recap other than to say uh, it was a an interesting exploration of the aftermath of those two very epic Avengers movies that that uh, that preceded it and uh, the consequences there. So again, if you haven't seen those, spoilers, spoilers, we're getting into it. Um, the show is really a, a hard, at, at sometimes kind of lump in your throat, look at uh, loss and grief and um, and really sort of explored some interesting stuff that, that really couldn't have been done in a Marvel movie at nearly right. as effectively. Mm. Um, it, it, it was a, a bit of a puzzle box show. It was very much, especially those first, I think, three episodes episodes were very much, you know, oh, it's Wanda and Vision in Dick Van Dyke. Oh, it's Wanda and Vision in Bewitched. Uh, it, it didn't make a lot of clear sense. Clearly, they were trying to sort of, you know, uh, lure you in with the mystery of what was going on. And then we sort of get into the meat of it, which is, oh, that this TV show, that these series of TV shows are happening inside of this hex bubble, which has been created around this small town in New Jersey, and uh, nobody can seem to get in or out of it. And from there, we get into the sort of, you know, uh, how do they get in? How do they get out? What's going on outside the bubble? What's going inside the bubble? And uh, yeah, I mean, it just turned into this really sort of a little bit more of, it was a little more straightforward from there on, but it was also, you know, it dealt with some pretty heady stuff, you know, like the 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 magic part of it, the the loss. Well, the let's grief. not get into the spoilerific part without giving people a heads up, but. Um, I just want to say, like, it was interesting. Like the the like you said, the first sort of three episodes were, were kind of puzzling because you know they were you were they were in the sitcom, and you know if people had followed you know the the Marvel movies, you'd know that Vision didn't survive mm-hmm. uh, in any capacity, like not even from the snapping. And he was he was dispatched by uh, Thanos, who needed the the gemstone on his forehead. I mm-hmm. what it's called the Mind Stone. He, mind Stone. He needed that stone for for the gauntlet, right? And um, and of course, you know. Uh, 
Wanda was, you know, in love with Vision at the time, so she was devastated by that by that that uh, part of the movie. In fact, I think even even in the rewind, like there was a section of the thing where I guess uh, Doctor Strange rewinds time, um, and Vision also dies in that one too, right? Well, it was actually with Thanos with the time stone because by that point he had the time stone, so she had to kill Vision first herself in right. order to try and prevent Thanos from getting it. So she does, she kills Vision and destroys the the mind stone, but then Thanos shows up with the time stone that he just got from Doctor Strange, rewinds time, and then kills Thanos right, or Thanos kills Vision right in front of her. So she gets to watch him die twice, including having to do it herself once. Hard stuff. Yeah, and so so uh, uh, it was really sort of interesting. Like like the first first time first episode, you're you're left thinking, what the heck was that, right? And then the second episode, you're going. It was a little bit more got explained because you start to see that you know I don't forget the the, the lady who's sort of uncovers it. Um, she's standing at the street at the the edge of the town, and the cops can't see the that there's something going on there. Yeah, and she yeah. kind of just stumbles into it, and I think she gets sucked in, right? Um, and becomes one of the one of the characters in in the story. But um, and then you know the 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 way they sort of start to spin it that the story the the TV shows are actually playing out in Wanda's head in in. Manner of speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So now, do you want to say anything before we get into the spoiler part? I mean, I think that what I would say is it, it was kind of interesting to see how um, unorthodox it is, and especially kind of how uh, it starts out kind of weirdly cheesy and goofy in mm-hmm. the same vein as like Dick Van Dyke and um, Bewitched, Bewitched, yeah, or, or, or goofy yeah. in the in, of that era in the fifties mm-hmm. and sixties, and then it starts getting sort of progressive sort of bleaker as things start going along and yep. it is interesting that the, the the major theme that cuts across a few different characters is about uh loss and grief and it, without spoiling too much there is even like a weird theme song that comes out that mm-hmm. they put out on like spotify and apple music and etc that um gets heavily into to spoilers but um it again it wasn't meant to be the first show the yep. falcon and the winter soldier is much more straightforward normal like oh I've watched Marvel movies. I, I kind of know what to get into. This one is very heavily like you have to know who these characters are. You yeah. have to know why they're important to each other, to the outside world. And it does not hold your hand at all in terms of no. what in the world is going yeah. on. This is a very tough one, I think, to get into if you're uh, very casual as a fan. Uh, and yeah. I suspect, given what I've seen of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that one's a little bit easier of like, okay, guy with a metal arm, guy with, you know, robotic wings. Okay, got it. Go, you know, go punch stuff yeah yeah so just before we get into this i want to say the two that it like for me like you know because i didn't really remember the sort of connection to all of the pieces disney has put together uh on the disney channel they've put together some sort of um small vignettes mm-hmm. that you can watch which recap port they take parts of the avengers stories various you know movies over the time and they do an episode on wanda they do an episode on vision and then they do an episode on them sort of together so you and you get to see Thanos kill you know uh, vision and stuff like that so you get to it's, it's kind of like outside of wandavision and but it recaps the two characters so you know who they are and i think they were we talked about it on the show because we, we knew that it was coming out but i think that they were supposed to be going to doing that kind of thing for other characters that are in the marvel universe right yeah 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 but and, but just by splicing together clips from from uh the actual movies as opposed to producing new stuff well it's a real con- it's a real 
kindness that they're doing for the the fans who either want a brush up because again if you wanted to watch there hasn't been a ton but if you wanted to watch the entire sort of evolution of those two characters you, you know you are looking at like 10 hours of, of movie watching to get all i mean you could fast forward to their scenes but if you don't know where you're looking right it's it's a chore so it, it is a service people may not know that vision started out as an ai in in tony stark's computer you know right right and then kind of evolved into and then got a body Actually, it wasn't called Vision originally, right? It was called something else. Well, it was going to be Ultron's body originally, right? Yeah, no, but I mean, but I mean, like the name of the computer when oh Jarvis, the first co- Who's Jarvis, Jarvis, yes, yeah, yeah. he became mm-hmm. so that's the character that Paul Bettany played, right? And yeah. and uh, yeah, he wonder or uh, Tony Stark creates a body for him, mm-hmm. or not for him, but yeah, creates a body and then he ends up occupying it and becoming Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so okay, so folks, this is the spoiler part. We're going to take a few minutes and talk about some stuff that you know if you haven't seen. Wanda Vision yet? Um, I'll put a chapter note in the in the stream so you can skip ahead to to avoid this. So yeah, I mean, it, it, we were talking about about the whole grief thing, and um, I mean, what what happens if you take someone who has superpowers or powers, right? Because she didn't actually she wasn't born with them; she gained them. Well, and and, well, and give her well. and give her. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. <laughs> and give her. And, well, it depends on if you're into the comic lore as well. I know it's a different story with Scarlet Witch and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, if you imagine someone like that who has that kind of power and and I think Superman and Lois is doing the same thing this this with this new spin-off um and they go through some traumatic PSD kind of trauma what happens to to them if they're you know they've got this power and now they're able to they're through their grief not even knowing that they're doing this mm-hmm. create this chaos right um so I have a couple of questions about this and maybe you can as you as you talk about it you can expound on this so I got a little lost in terms of where whether this is Wanda creating the, the hex sphere or the other witch creating the hex sphere or just sort of the whole circumstance of all these forces coming together. Yeah, no, it, it was Wanda. Um, it wasn't an initially an intentional decision. She, uh, They reveal in one of the episodes that she goes and is trying to retrieve the Vision's remains right. from S.W.O.R.D., the government organization that uh, is possessing them after the events of of the Avengers movies and when she goes there the director acting director shows her his body sort of disassembled on a pile of tables and you know she realizes that he's truly gone uh and then she goes to this small town in New Jersey where he had I guess given her a gift of this uh property that he envisioned that the two of them could build a house in and and settle down in eventually and of course that never could happen because of his death but in that moment of her grief she just sort of lets loose this power that she didn't know she possessed that was beyond what she thought she was given by the the mind stone by the by the infinity stone she unlocks this this power that was actually magical that uh and that's where sort of agatha comes in later on saying this is not you know the magic this the magic is something different than what you're talking about that you know you may have think may think you have gotten these powers unlocked by you know the, the scepter but you are this person you are the scarlet witch you are the magical being and you are doing she this she was she already was this she already I mean, she was born as this person yeah and they make a point of saying that she uh because her origin story that they 
talk about in the Avengers movies previously is that her parents were killed when a when a bomb uh, broke through their ceiling, killed her parents, and she and Pietro, her brother Quicksilver, were trapped under a bed looking at this Stark missile waiting for it to go off, and it didn't, and they survived, but they decided to take revenge. That's how they sort of get mixed up with Hydra, and that's the, the plot of Age of Ultron. And, and in this series, Agatha says, that bomb didn't go off because it was faulty. That bomb didn't go off because you're a witch and you stopped it from going off. You had those right. powers okay. already. You were you were mm. already doing magic without even realizing it. So it, it, re- it really kind of retcons her, her, instead of her being this, you know, gifted these powers by the actions of, of Hydra and by these decisions, she was actually, it, it was basically just, they helped her unlock who she already was. How does it play out in the, in the comic books, like in, in the graphic novels in terms of well, how does it play? She has a very complicated comic book history. So, you know, she appeared at, first has appeared as a character in the early 1960s. She was a member of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, uh, confusingly named so considering she's a woman. But um, she was one of the, the members of that. Uh, th- she appeared in the X-Men comics. She eventually, and not long after, she and Quicksilver realized that they, they didn't belong with that. They reformed and they were named in the second group of Avengers to to form a team. So uh, Captain America, Hawkeye, and the two of them uh, sort of took over when a lot of the original members went off to their own adventures. And so she was a mutant, which is the sort of Marvel's, uh, you know, genetically born different kind of characters. And that was her story for a long time. And then there there had been sort of a bunch of different stories over the course of her uh, her arc over, you know, it's now 50 years, where she uh, was established that she was actually a magical creature, that she had, you know, you know, she was this sort of um, creature who was unique in the multiverse where she actually, you know, there's only one of her across the, the multiverse. And she was one of sort of these these anchor people who had these special abilities. And um, they introduced the fact later on that Magneto was actually her and Quicksilver's father. And then later on, they actually retconned that out. So she's had a real sort of up and down <laughs> storyline. This storyline touches most heavily on a storyline uh from a comic called the West Coast Avengers or Avengers West Coast where uh the vision who in a previous um storyline had basically gone sort of super analytical he'd done a, a bit of a howl right he he basically said you know the only way to to fix the problems that the world is facing is for me to sort of run things and so he kind of went ultrony and and decided to try and take over all these government systems and so the government decided you know what let's just do something preemptive so they kidnapped vision and they uh they wiped his mind and they basically restarted him from scratch and that was the white vision and as part part of that storyline she kind of lost her mind and from there she kind of was a bit of a fragile character and that storyline carried forward with her being kind of straddling the line between a good and evil character for a while and then she kind of had at one point a complete mental breakdown in a storyline about 
almost 20 years ago. And she uh, killed a bunch of the Avengers and was, you know, a, a real problem. And then she at one point basically rewrote reality, even more so than what we've seen in the show, where she basically um, created a new reality where, you know, mutants ruled the world. And then that didn't work out. So she basically, you know, undid that. And then she erased almost all the mutants from Earth. So she's a, been a very complex very troubled character throughout her comics history a very very interesting character and a very good character um and and some of that i think um lizzie olsen has played really really well as showing her to be both in, interestingly strong and also interestingly fragile mm, interesting so so they did pull from some existing storylines if you are fans of some of this uh you know the, the actual printed original material there's certainly lots of stuff in there for you to sort of pull the threads on and because this story was so much a puzzle box wandavision the show was so much of a puzzle box people were really going a lot to the source material and trying to see if they could find bits and pieces and, and theorizing you know oh well you know Maybe this is the real character. Maybe this is the real villain. A lot of people were really rooted in the the idea that there had to be a guiding hand behind this, that there had to be some big bad, some sort of Thanos behind the scenes that was sort of manipulating her. And in the end, there was to a certain extent, but really what it was, was this was a manifestation of her trauma and her grief and her loss. And, and I think that's so much more poignant. Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting to see how things went along, um, you know, week by week. And and that is something that if you haven't watched the show and you're somehow listening to the spoilers and still going to go back and watch, um, it will be very different sitting through and binging the series than it will be yes. experiencing like, what the heck just happened? Whoa, Pietro is the actor from the, um, you know, the X-Men series of uh, X-Men first class series of. Mm -hmm. of uh, Quicksilver. So people were starting speculating about multiverse, especially because... Well, that was uh, the same guy. Like this, He wasn't the guy in the movie, but he was the guy in Mutants? Yes. Or he, he was the guy... The actor uh, was the actor, Evan Peters, from the last few Fox-produced X-Men movies, not the actor who played the yeah, Quicksilver the character in right. the Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Yeah. So, but, they so, were, but the character was the same, though, right? But the yeah, character even, was the same. They even mentioned like what happened did 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 wanda recast because it's supposed to be like a tv show that yeah, they're like, yeah, exactly. did they yeah. recast pietro did she recast pietro and people started thinking like is this multiverse especially because we know about uh doctor strange and the multiverse madness or something i forget what that title multiverse is Multiverse of madness yeah. yeah yeah and so people got really into that and no it actually ends up being a, a penis joke <laughs> of who yeah. this character's actual uh, uh place is and it was just sort of a a treat for the fans and not necessarily uh you know part of the overarching story and it, it was also interesting to see like this show goes a very long time before revealing the big bad and there were mm -hmm. one week early there were people like what the heck where's the big bad in the show we're like six mm -hmm. or seven episodes in and i i still like what they did right um with with having agatha harkness and uh it was agatha all along right yep. that was the song that they uh, opened up on uh, on all the music services but i think it would have been more fulfilling to me if wanda's grief had 100 percent been the entire root cause of this and i was yeah. rooting really hard for that to be the case yep. i was wrong 
I still like what they did. I just like it a little bit less than, hey, what happens when Superman cries sort of concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Although it was, you know, really, it was her. Obviously, Agatha was giving her a push here and there, but it, it really was like she created the hex bubble. She created she rewrote the universe like she really was the, the problem as well as the, the eventually the solution. That's true. And, and she ends up sacrificing a lot. Right. She gives up vision. She gives up her children to to make things right. Um, and the the stuff that they did between the Wanda Power Vision and the the rebuilt White Vision was actually mm-hmm. really cool. And it, mm-hmm. they do fight each other for a bit, but in their case, they sit down and have a philosophical discussion. And, um, oh yeah, was it the ship of Theseus? Yeah, and and Vision, you know, uh, you know, Wanda Power Division unlocks the memories of of the White Vision, and um, as folks have said online, it's it's not going to be exactly the, the same vision right like the white vision does have the memories but without that soul stone he's not the same person it's, it's it is in a metaphorical and literal way it's like he's lost his soul he's he's alive he's got the memories of that past life but very similar to the comic book series is uh like cool i i, I remember having a wife i remember children and stuff but i'm, I'm not the father sort of thing mm. right I'm a, I'm a different being um, so that'll be interesting to see how they they play with that so i did like that part yeah yeah which is strange because you know like you were if you want to get into that whole socratic argument um you know if he's if he's like a like my mac and your mac jaime are are identical right and yet your mac has different stuff on it than my mac does you know so your mac your macintosh computer is not the same as my macintosh computer right so because they have different you know one zero stored in them right yeah it i mean if uh, if you think about you know so here i am at uh, 39 years of age I am from a ship of Theseus standpoint, quite literally not the same person I was at the time that I was born, right? Yep. Every single cell mm-hmm. has been replaced potentially multiple times over in my body. Am I truly the same person? And to make the kiddos sleep all that much better tonight, <laughs> um, think about the fact that I really don't have any idea that when I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning, am I even the same person or or did I get picarded or <laughs> did I get <laughs> transported beamed and like you know murder destroyed and recreated as a perfect copy i have no way of knowing that sleep tight kids (laughs) yeah and yet he's the same person who remembers being, you know, three years old and running across the lawn and stuff, right? Mm. To this day. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think all in when you when you look at this show, it was really ballsy to make that the first one, mm-hmm. even if it was done by necessity, not by, you know, choice. Um, the thing I think I really enjoyed about it, you know, obviously I come into these things with some uh, more detailed knowledge than others. One one I have a very um, solid memory for what I watch. So I, I've obviously watched the movies very intensely and intently and, and remember everything. But also I've read tens of thousands of comic books. So that's all in there too. So I'm looking to sort of see the patterns and everything as, as well. But this show was a troll job, like a fantastic troll job by mm. Kevin Feige. Like he was, they were deliberately trying to throw people off the scent on a few different things, like <laughs> casting Evan Peters as Quicksilver so that people would think there was a multiverse element uh there was some some real good stuff in there about you know uh what people thought was happening you know everybody and their mother thought that uh you know mephisto was going to show up who is one of the um 
very old Marvel villains, basically the devil himself. Mm-hmm. They thought that that was going to happen, and they and they lead you down a few different paths at different points in the show, and they they really kind of built it up. And and you know the online communities were just biting hard on this stuff, and and Feige was zagging all over the place. And I thought that was fantastic. The the part where, you know, when they talk about S.W.O.R.D. and at one point Monica Rambeau, who is the, the character, um, the she's the daughter in Captain Marvel. She's the, the little girl and her mom is the best friend of Captain Marvel. She's now grown up. She was blipped away. She came back after the blip. She's now back in service. She's doing this job. Um, she at one point makes a reference to the fact that, you know, oh, I've got a friend who's a scientist and the scientist is going to come meet us over here. Let's go over here and we'll meet this scientist. And everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. And of course it wasn't going to be Reed Richards from Fantastic Four. They're doing a Fantastic Four movie. They're not going to release Fantastic Four characters in like episode four of a TV show. They're not there yet. Um, so, yeah, some really cool, like, you know, building people's anticipation for like, oh, this must be interconnected. Oh, it's really not. Oh, there's going to be this character. Oh, it's really not. Like, they really did kind of toy with people a little bit through this stuff um, in a way that, you know, some people found really frustrating. I've seen a lot of reviews and I've listened to some pods and stuff where people are like, oh, I hated this. And I, I thought for sure it was this, but it's not. And they, they're mad because they were wrong, but they're not. <laughs> they're not mad because the show wasn't good they're just mad because oh i thought for sure it was going to be this thing and like and it's because there has been all these sort of um somewhat predictable or uh you know obviously lifted from the pages of comic storylines and stuff like that people thought for sure they would know what was going to happen and and uh and of course they were wrong I, I thought it was really interesting that they decided to come at it that way and really and again like a really some of those episodes that the episode where where wanda is um reliving her past agatha is trying to figure out sort of her real mm-hmm, origin right. is walking her through her past and making her relive these horrible moments in her life and going through that god that was powerful i mean again lizzie olsen what a fantastic actress i i i didn't know her for much outside of the marvel universe but i'm really impressed with her having watched this series now um and and and, and I, I mean, you know, you can't ask for a better villain um, than we had in, in Agatha all along. I mean, she was so deliciously funny and, you know, um, yeah, Catherine Hahn. I mean, she's long been one of my favorite actresses. She's played a lot of sort of character parts. It's so wonderful to see her get a, a real role like that with she could sink her teeth into. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, really interesting way to come at a show like that. Very sort of unexpected, very sort of different take on that. And But they used their nine episodes in a way that you want to see that. They really maximized the character and they really gave them a lot of meat. Like, I feel like I know Wanda better than I know almost every other character who hasn't been a lead character in a Marvel movie. I mean, obviously we know Tony Stark. He's had his own three movies, plus he was one of the stars of all the Avengers movies. We know Captain America and Thor. They've had their own movies. But those second-tier characters, no one stands above Scarlet Witch at this point because we've now spent so much time getting to know her and her pain and her life and all these different things that motivate her. And I think that's fantastic. Like, I, I really enjoyed that 
that deep dive into a character like that. Now, do you want to go back and watch the the other Avenger movies to see if there's any sort of hints towards where WandaVision comes from? I don't. I honestly don't think there were. I, I, I right. honestly think some of this some of this was about retconning this character a little bit, and I think some of it because because again, when they did the character, like Wanda in the comic books was a mutant. They couldn't use mutants as part of their agreement because they had sold the right to the mutants and all mutant characters to uh, Fox to produce movies. So they turned her into something else. Now they own the rights to the mutants again because they bought Fox. So now they can do whatever the hell they want. And I think that's what this was about was like, you know what, let's let's get right into it. Let's make her whoever we want her to be now. Right. And it was interesting if you're watching, if you haven't watched the show yet, the, the sort of Easter egg uh, outro cuts that they put in there too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the show ended, it kind of went into this sort of, it, it's almost like you're looking at it, it as on a color TV and look like, like a cathode ray tube. But as you go into the TV, it starts to show other, like, like one time you go into Vision's death fate, death mask, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think for the third or fourth episode or something like that. But, and that was throwing people off the scent as well. Right. Sort of the little teasers that they put at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the commercials, the little commercials they were putting in yeah. that, that oh, yeah. spoke to all these sort of like big, big picture things. And again, when you go back and watch that now, I think as a totality, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that comes together. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that it was the perfect show, but I certainly think it was a bold and it was better than a lot of shows. Well, it was it was absolutely gutsy to do that as a show. It was absolutely bold and brazen to do, especially out of the gate for the first Marvel show. That was a real like, look what we got right here. Drop it on the desk. This is some big stuff we're trying here. Um, I think Jaime is absolutely right. I think, you know, Falcon the Winter Soldier, I know exactly what I'm going to get. Of course, they're going to get more into the characters. They're going to explore more of who who those two characters are and their motivations and their traumas and all those other things that we expect. But it's also kind of a, you know, bang, bang, shoot, shoot, pew, pew kind of deal. Whereas this was really, you know, it was a character study. It was a nine episode deep dive character study. And that for a Marvel show, especially the first Marvel show, is ballsy as hell. And it worked. Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely worth a watch. Um, just a, just a quick real time follow up. They the you were talking about the um, the Marvel Studios Legends series that's on Disney Plus, the one where they did the little seven minutes with Wanda, seven yes. minutes with Vision. Right. They have actually posted the first ones for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. So there's okay. a six minute recap on Falcon, another one on Winter Soldier, one for Zemo, who is going to be on that show. He was the bad guy from Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, and one for Sharon Carter, who uh, was also in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. So they're bringing people up to speed on those four characters. Again, you can watch those little short uh, encapsulations of their movie appearances so you don't have to go back and watch all the Captain America movies and Avengers movies in order to find out where these characters have been. Right, cool. All right. Well, the next thing we're going to talk about now is the Snyder Cut. But before we get into that, I want to I want to get your ideas on this comment that I heard from somebody yesterday. So co-host of More Than Just Code, Mark Rubin, and I were on Clubhouse yesterday. And Jonathan, we should talk about Clubhouse later. Mm. But because um, we, we have an MTCJC group we could probably roll some some spot cast love in there um, by hosting some events. But Mark was saying that a lot of his friends can't make it through the Snyder Cut. They just they just find it too like too bad is the word he, he used. I'm like <laughs> I, 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 
couldn't believe that. Like, I mean, for me, it was like a completely different movie. It was. Than, yeah. Than, than this. So we're, we're talking about, obviously, Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut, which we've been looking forward to for months and months and months. I think Jonathan and Jaime more than me. But yeah, I mean, I sat down and started watching it and, and uh, it's like it's four hours long. And, and I think I watched it in, in three, if not four takings, right? Like I watched the first hour one day, went to bed, <laughs> digested, right? And then came back and watched it a bit more and then took a break and which is nice. I mean, if you're sitting in a theater for four hours, you'd be your butt would be hamburger, right? But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So tell so let's let's rip into it. What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna let Jaime take the first run at this one. Sure, okay. Yeah, I, I, I do think it is overall a much better film than the twenty seventeen release. It uh it has you know, you can see a lot that's that's similar, but it is you know, I don't know what percentage to call it. It is very loosely the same film, um, mm-hmm. if we call it that. It is, um, you know, more, um, it does more to fill out, you know, here's what everybody is doing. Here's what everybody's about. Here's why everybody matters in some way, shape, or form for the final battle. And I also like the fact that the cyborg character is not just there, right? Like, he's actually pretty important in his relationship with his father is filled out a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, uh, I do dock at some points for some music selection in a few different places. Um, I dock at some points from uh, the the very ending, uh, which really could have been a post, maybe a couple post credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like where it ends. It feels kind of weird and, and shoehorned in. Um, I see challenges for like, how could this practically have been a movie you would release in theaters? You either have to trim it down to three and a half hours at a minimum to get like Lord of the Rings area of that or do it like a, you know, a night at the symphony or the opera where there's an intermission at the two hour mark, which actually works out pretty well, given that there, there is a battle that like, okay, you, you could have ended the movie there and then had a part two movie, but it wouldn't have been as satisfying. But with all of that said, it is, in my opinion, a much better film. And I think a, a, a pretty good film, uh, especially in comparison to the 2017 version. So I don't know what Mark's friends were, were getting at in terms of what they didn't like. Uh, Maybe they're watching. 2017 movie i don't know well okay <laughs> so it is a oh i struggle with these terms it's a better movie because that first movie sucked it was quite yeah, frankly I'm waiting for the i'm waiting for star wars to be recut now yeah it really it, it wouldn't have been hard to outdo that so i think snyder kind of was cheating on the curve already right like that movie was generally kind of shot full of holes it wasn't very good and it didn't feel like a Zack snyder movie and it didn't feel like a joss whedon movie I think the issue that most people would probably have with it is that DC and particularly Zack Snyder approach comic book storytelling in a very different way than Marvel does. Marvel, and and it has everything to do with the way that, that those two companies view their characters. Marvel's characters have always been uh, human. They, the, the whole root of the Marvel Universe is this innate grounding in reality that makes the characters very identifiable. They have problems. They have relationships. They have traumas. Whereas DC's characters have long since passed, particularly because they are older characters, as in they've been on, they've existed since since the 1930s in some cases, they're very much about iconography. They're very much about, uh, they're legends. They are these essentially godlike characters. And the way that that's manifested itself in the storytelling is so reflective 
when you look at the movies, Zack Snyder is perfect, perfect for telling a DC Comics movie because he paints this beautiful visual canvas that is absolutely captivating. His movies are beautiful, but there's not a lot of grounding in there. There's not a lot of of reasons to care about those characters. It's very much more about painting the most lush canvas you can using these iconic characters. Whereas the Marvel Universe focuses very much on developing these characters and getting you to care about them and invest with them so that you feel that payoff. And I think that's actually trained a lot of comic book, particularly casual comic book viewing, movie viewing fans so that they, the thing they like about the Marvel ones and the thing that they often don't like about the DC ones is they like that they can identify or see their lives or themselves or their friendships or whatever in the Marvel characters, whereas there's a certain elevation of the characters in DC. They, they are not real. They're these sort of uh, iconic versions of humanity or iconic versions of people. They're not real. And I think that's very true in this movie, too. Like, I enjoyed this version of the film, but I don't feel like I cared any more about the characters than I did going in, even though they spent way more time developing, especially, as as Jaime mentioned, the cyborg character got a lot more play and development. The Flash character got that, too. You know, we really got to spend more time with the characters than we did in the original one. And I think that's what makes it better, by far, by far, than the, the Joss Whedon slash... Zack Snyder version that we got previously, but I'm not sure that this is for everybody. And I could see why people wouldn't necessarily like it. It's it's basically, it's a moving painted comic book for four hours. There's, yeah. it's, yeah. again, it's breathtaking. Zack Snyder is an absolute visionary. His, the way that he renders images on film is astonishing. It looks beautiful, but there's not a lot of there there too. Right. Yeah. So again, I could see why people wouldn't necessarily have the warm fuzzies, and I could certainly see why you get tired of it if you didn't care. I could see why you get tired of it after four hours of it because I love this stuff, and I was still like, "Oh my god, this movie's still going." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then they throw another like like Hami said, twenty minutes into it, right? Yeah. Um, and and it, and it, you know, I thought the main core of the movie definitely, you know, it, it really it did feel like kind of a, a a mini series in 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 and of itself. Like it, you know, they did break it into part one, part two, part three. I think it was six parts and all six, in. Yeah, six parts. Yeah. And then then an the, epilogue. So there was actually seven. Well, that's it. And then they added in an epilogue and then a bonus scene after the epilogue, right? And there's just so much there to to chew on and think about and digest like it's it's almost too much you know like it it, they originally they had talked about doing it is in sequence right they were going to do like two parts one night and then more parts the next night and but when you sit down and and i mean obviously not everybody watched it at once i didn't even watch it once xavier and my son and i watched it um over the course of a day we we took some breaks between the parts just because we wanted to you know go and refill our glasses and also just take a breather from everything that was happening but i could see why people would be a little wiped out by it and not be able to to get through it too yeah let's just throw a spoiler warning up here so we can we can dig in so if you haven't seen the movie 
be and you want to skip ahead we'll put a marker on the, the show notes and or in the, the stream chapter heading and you can skip ahead because i do want to talk about some things that that may spoil it for you but so i mean it, it's interesting that you know batman you don't see the batman for at least half the movie mm-hmm. right like most the first part of the movie is all bruce wayne a whole and lot of bruce so very little Batman. other than other than other than the fact that you see superman in the very beginning he's not in the movie until like two-thirds of the way through oh maybe even more than that yeah, yeah i think because because like like i said i watched the first hour um one night and it was like i started watching it like late at night so there's no way i could have made it all the way through and so i i you know turned it off and went away and came back the next day i think it was saturday morning and i watched you know the next hour or so and then i took a break and then i watched the next hour or so and then superman showed up right um and i mean there were some interesting choices about about the the superman that was different you know in this movie and i mean there was more like you said there was more uh rounding out of the characters or at least getting you into them and and you know uh, batman wasn't having much luck at the beginning (laughs) trying Mm -hmm. to recruit people um which i think was in the original story too but but uh i mean the original 2017 version but um overall i thought it was a much better movie i mean like like it's zack snyder did watchman too right yes yeah so i mean it's very very much in that sort of set i mean watchman was an amazingly creative movie for someone like me who's never read the comic book because it was it was odd because here and just like like the the boys right Mm -hmm. here are these characters which i know nothing about right um you know and and being told this history as if i'm supposed to know the history sort of thing right Mm -hmm. i've been talking about the watchman right and and in the same sense as this was too i mean i've been watching superman since i was a kid because i used to watch the george reeve um show on tv and then i you know through all the all the superman movies and i watched batman when i was a kid by the way when you were talking about crossing over characters I was I mean I for, totally forgot about it. one of my favorite episodes when I was a kid was when the Green Hornet was on, oh, the, yeah. on the original Batman the, yeah the original Batman show right and and that was sort of uh they put the Green Hornet and so Bruce, basically Bruce Lee and the other guy who played the Green Hornet were on the show in order to sell the show like yeah. kind of like they do crossovers now on on the you know um Supergirl and you know the and of course also all the uh, Avengers which eventually came back for a re- came together for a reason but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, like again, um, maybe I was spoiled. I, we should talk about the aspect ratio, too. Yeah. Um, like, okay, so there was a huge argument online about the fact that it was a four-by-three aspect ratio, mm-hmm. which meant you had the, the ugly gray bars on the side. But mm. but when but I I immediately thought saw that as as sort of the, the IMAX ratio, yes. right? Yeah. And so I noticed that when I was watching the movie for the first 10 or 15 minutes or so, that that, that whole... Um, and maybe it's because I was I grew up on TV, but um, that aspect ratio worked better for me for some reason. I guess I got I was more more you know light was coming into my eyeballs or something you know because I remember looking at watching the movie and then going oh my god this actually is better you know um, than having to pan left or right and what, like you do in other movies right I always find the letterbox a little cramped you mm-hmm. know like I look like I'm looking through a letterbox opening on a door but um, I, so I found the aspect ratio good and of course I had the new I just got a new pod so i had that hooked up to the apple tv so i was listening to it with 
really, you know, good bass. And so it was like being in sort of in a theater in a sense like that. Um, and, and I liked the, I liked the way the story arced. I mean, you're, it was a lot longer um, than, than it, I mean, it could, you know, it, the editor in me says, oh, yeah, we could have cut this and we could have cut that, you know, but but I did enjoy the, the long sort of epic, you know, thing. I'm glad it wasn't like one of these deals like the Harry Potter ones where you went and watched half the movie and then had to wait a half a year to watch the other half. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. You know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, definitely you're going to you're going to want to take a pee break and fill the glass up and get the get another bag of chips out. And, you know, like I said to Jaime before he watched it, pack a lunch because you're going to need mm-hmm. it. You know, so yeah, it was it, I, I overall I thought it was a much better, I, I, you know, I don't mind Ben Affleck as Batman. I hate to say it, but because uh, um, I mean, like I, I George, you know, George Clooney and Val Kilmer and, and even Michael Keaton, like we said earlier, like we've had all of them as I didn't like Jack Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Mm. Um, yeah, I just found I found I couldn't get past the face makeup, but mm. um, you know, it, you know, I, I like the Wonder Woman character. She was a bit, you know, she's still a bit odd. She's sort of an odd duck, doesn't sort of fit in. But the fact that they tied in the sort of the, I mean, it had a Lord of the Rings aspect to it with the you know the Age of Legends retelling, you know, and that kind of stuff. The villain was really good. Um, what's his name? Steppenwolf. Um, no, the other guy. Oh, Dark, uh, Dark Side. Yeah, I mean, do these people know how to spell check? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. well, I got the I have the captions on right, so every time they say his name, I'm like, I'm going. That's Kenyan. I mean, must the caption guy must have been going crazy too, right? Hey, that's a that's a Jack Kirby creation. Be nice. Oh, is it okay? Oh, yeah. But and it was an interesting character, and and you know when you look at the some of the some of the, the treatments, I mean, the special effects was much better in this oh, yeah. in this movie. There were some questions like I had. Okay, somebody posted online. Where does where does Aquaman get his shirts from? Yeah, and also right. why and, does he keep just dropping them everywhere? And and when he drinks the whiskey and smashes it in, does it smash on the dock and go into the ocean, or does he just throw the bottle into the ocean? Like, would that not be something Aquaman would not do? Well, but at that point, he's he's not as interconnected with Atlantis, so I think there's a. I think it's supposed to be part of the illustration that he doesn't care. I think it's supposed to be the you know rebel without a cause kind of deal at that point, where he's he doesn't he doesn't care about the ocean, he doesn't care about Atlantis, he just sort of cares about what he cares about. I think that's sort of yeah. the message there. Although it, you're right, it's a little it's not a great look yeah yeah it's like it's like as if he lit up a smoke and started smoking right but yeah um yeah i mean i, I really enjoyed it I, I did like the uh i mean the, the the fact of the matter is they couldn't retell the the the, the superman re- re- resurrection story um any a little, any different i mean other than the fact that he d- he walks past the blue uniform when he's picking his costume out mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um and and you know like i remember the death of superman because i remember you bringing it home and mm-hmm. i went what what? what happened? Yeah, you know, I didn't read the I didn't read the book, but I remember the covers, and then I remember mm-hmm. he came back a few months later. You know, in a shocking turn of events for a comic book character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that never happens. Never, never, never. Yeah. So, I mean, from from my perspective, you know, I I enjoyed it much more than than um, pretty much any of the DC movies I've watched. So, I mean, Wonder Woman was good. I shouldn't say that because Wonder Woman has a nice look to it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, and I didn't. I find the other ones a little. little too smashy, you know, bang them, smash them, you know, kind of even the 2017 when which I watched a few weeks ago. This one I didn't really sort of mind the way that the the 
in epic battles were the flying monkeys. I don't know about the flying monkeys, though. I think they could have cut those out. <laughs> the parademons, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I almost yeah. said that at one point I was watching with Xavier. I almost said, fly, my pretties. Like, it was just, there was a real vibe there, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and you had those epic, like I said, the, the legends battles with the. Yeah. With the, the Amazons versus whatever, right? So. Yeah. I, w- I will say, regarding your, your Batman observations, I thought Xavier kind of nailed it. And it's funny because he has not read any Batman comics, but obviously we've spoken about the character a lot and he's he's seen sort of, you know, the television incarnations and the movie incarnations. Uh, he made the observation in this one, you know, you know, for Batman, he uses a lot of guns. And, yeah. you know, one of the <laughs> one of the roots of the character in the comics is the fact that his parents died as a result of gun violence and he abhors guns for that exact reason. He will not use right. guns. He will not use guns to kill people. He will not use guns in his stuff. And yet all the film incarnations of this character seem to be gun fanatic, which I don't know if that just speaks to, sorry, Jaime, the American ethos, but it, yeah. it's just, it's off-putting as a, as a real fan of the character and somebody who's read, I mean, without exaggeration, thousands of Batman stories over the years. It, it is off-putting whenever I see that level of, of violence and, and, you know, gunplay related to that character. Well, and also the humanity too. I know, I know, um, um, Christian Bale, it suffered a lot, but I, but I think that the Ben Affleck, you know, black and blue after every fight kind of mm. you know thing where where he's lying on the table and Alfred's you know helping him out. Um, I, I like that human aspect of of this Batman. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, superheroes are a bit too you know too uh, unbreakable. You know, well, particularly the DC ones, right? The, that are, yeah. That's exactly the same thing, right? They're these, these sort of paragons of perfection. Right, right. Well, and it's like you know, I, I was I was thinking about I, I worry about poor Lois Lane in. in I think it's the second movie with uh, Christopher Reeve where um, he decides to hit your, take her to bed. I always worry about her in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the old joke from Ball Rats, right? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But I've, yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like, yeah, exactly. Something you said really, really hit me, and and uh, I, I want to circle back on it. You, you mentioned Watchmen, which is another yeah. Zack Snyder film, and I and I was thinking about other Zack Snyder films as I was watching this because you know, obviously, a lot of people know him from you know this and Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, um, because they are sort of of that profile. The other three movies that really stand out for me when I think of Snyder's filmmaking are are Watchmen, uh, and previous to that, he did Three Hundred, the the adaptation yeah, 300. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, the Frank Miller graphic novel, and he did mm-hmm. a film called Sucker Punch in between those two. Right, and I think about all three of those movies, and I see a real trend in his filmmaking too. All three of those movies are beautiful; they are really, really visually interesting. Sucker Punch is a really underrated visual movie, but it is a horrible movie. Yes, it is not in any I don't, way. I don't good. think I made it through that. It's it's not in any way. Good good it's as a matter of fact i'd say it's downright awful but visually if you turn if you try not to pay attention to the plot the way that he portrays scenes the way that he sort of builds these visual elements is unbelievable and Watchmen's the same thing. I think people who are Watchmen book fans hate that movie because he crushes the humanity out of it and focuses on this sort of iconography of it. And in the same way that he continues into these DC movies, it really has no heart to it. And yet it's really interesting. It's really beautiful in, in at, at points, but it makes no sense. And it's certainly in no way connected to the original work because it really is lacking 
the root in in humanity. And I think that's what carries this one over too, as I was thinking about this movie. It's it's the same sort of pattern. If you follow those movies and you follow them into the DC movies that he's done most recently is, again, they look spectacular and his his vision fits them really well, but his lack of of resonance for the, you know, the innate humanity of these people, or the, and again, you could argue some of them aren't humans, but it really is lacking, especially when contrasted, and it's inevitable and unavoidable when contrasted against the Marvel stuff. The Marvel stuff resonates because they have charm and wit and humanity and and they resonate in that way that it just becomes glaring on the opposite side. Yeah, I, I think um, I am not the first person to say that like Zack Snyder doesn't care about normal people. He loves the no. gods aspect of, yeah. of these characters and... Uh, possibly one of the best uh, sort of metaphors for this I can think of from the movie itself is there's a wonderful, very touching, very human scene between Lois Lane and Martha Kent that we find out actually didn't happen because that was the Martian Manhunter. Yeah. <laughs> right? That right, was not yeah, Martha yeah. Kent uh, opening her heart to Lois Lane. That was somebody else, a god uh, pretending to be somebody else, which is, is interesting. Yeah. Would well, you think that was recut for this for this version? Because I think, because that's scene is in the original in the other movie right where she try to go, tries to convince lois to go back to work yeah i mean i think i think he had in mind that that character had been rumored for a long time that that character was the martian manhunter but not oh, necessarily really? oh no that the, the the general the the one he had appeared in previous movies and oh yeah, 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 yeah. Th- there was a lot of speculation that he was going to be the the martian manhunter that carried out one thing i wanted to circle back on i really like to get you both of your opinions on is the is the epilogue the two scenes because yeah no I, I, I was a couple of things I was, was going to say about that just just as an interesting point of fact because I do have a link here for that part but th- that scene that section of the movie was actually all filmed during the pandemic because mm. uh, they went back and recut that and that's when uh, we mentioned that Ben Affleck was going to come back and reprise his role even though he had been cut as Batman well, um, he but quit, yeah, right? those, yeah sorry he quit he he quit as Batman oh did he quit oh, no, okay yeah, no, he so, quit yeah he he came back and actually uh apparently Zack Snyder had took a while to get um the Joker who was played by Jared Leto Jared Leto to come back it took it took some convincing for that mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. eventually he wore him down but but apparently none of those actors were actually in the same room at the same time they were all filmed separately interesting yeah I did I did like the I liked that piece because I, I really like the Batman outfit in that in that um in that world but but apparently it's a different world because there because in this one um it's kind of like the like you said the what do you call it, the multi Multiverse, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't know that DC had a multiverse. I thought they were too straight for that. But um, they, this is supposed to be a different battle, and, and Batman and and uh, Joe and the Joker and Cyborg and uh, who's the guy who's going to come and kill the, in the cutscene at the end? Where Deathstroke. He's gonna, Deathstroke. Yeah, they're on the same side, and Superman shows up and he's like ready to take them on, sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting because when when they when Superman comes back, he still has harbors or seems. To the harbor um you know he comes out of comes out when he's when he's brought back in both movies uh 2017 and here he fights everybody because he's mm-hmm. what the heck's going on here kind of thing right yeah and it's not till he sees lois that grounds him right lois is the key right right yeah it's funny because the 
this movie was originally intended to be obviously the first of many more DC uh, spinoff films. The the movies that were supposed to come out of this were a new Batman movie starring Affleck. There was supposed to be more Justice League movies. Um, This was this movie came out before Aquaman. So it was setting the stage for the Aquaman a little bit. Um, And they telegraph a future for Wonder Woman as well, because she obviously at the end, she's, you know, um, standing there looking out towards the ocean, thinking about, you know, the fact that she has to go back to Themyscira at some point. Uh, I I don't know. It's very interesting the way that they sort of approach this, like the the sort of post-apocalyptic vision stuff that they did, the the scene with Batman and the Joker and Deathstroke and, and Cyborg. That is very reminiscent of the Injustice video games, uh, which have also been done as comic books, where the premise is that um, Lois Lane is killed and Darkseid comes to Earth. Sorry, Darkseid comes to Earth. Lois Lane is killed. And then Superman is subjugated by uh, Darkseid. And then everyone has to work to stop him. Stop Superman, stop Darkseid, the whole thing. That's the premise of the Injustice video games. That's the impress uh, the, of the storyline that they carried into the comics for that series as well. So it's sort of an alternate universe. And then that ties was supposed to tie into The Flash because The Flash establishes in this movie that he can travel through time. And part of that is supposed to be that it's supposed to be sort of the flashpoint idea that that the flash could travel back in time and undo this future right so okay right there's a lot of stuff to chew on there and especially like i know all this stuff because i'm hip deep in this universe and and all these different iterations of it but there's a lot of stuff to chew on for uh, you know people who came into this you know they might have made it to the end of like and we defeated steppenwolf and we send him back and you know and they're and and then they get into this scene you're like what is happening here and it it's not like it's like you're right it's not like it's a cut scene uh in in the credits where it lasts for you know two minutes or it's like 15 minutes long like it's they really are sort of setting the stage for like this is what was gonna happen right because uh they do the scene with lex luthor and deathstroke and luthor reveals bruce wayne's identity to deathstroke and that was supposed to set up the deathstroke versus batman next batman movie and then there's this whole injustice thing that was supposed to set up another movie there and then there's the other epilogue scene where martian manhunter shows up at uh, right, the doorstep yeah. of of bruce wayne's not mansion and says like hey i I'm here to help. I'm going to be part of the team, everything else. And so that all the open, all these doors to like all these potential things. I'm not sure. Like, I guess the, the idea is they wanted to let Zach finish his vision of like exactly how he was going to finish this. But you know, this movie came out last, was it Thursday uh, in, in, in our time, uh, you know, a week ago ish. And within a few days, DC and Warner brothers were like, Zach's done. We're not going to do any more of these movies. Like we, we've like, right, this as far yeah. as we're concerned, this is the, end he says chances yeah. are i'm not going to do any more so they open they basically reopen all these old wounds of like well this is where we were going with all this stuff but we've decided since then we're going completely different directions so you're sort of it becomes almost very unsatisfying in the end to get to the end of this four hour odyssey and be like oh that's cool oh that's cool oh that's cool none of it matters right right well i mean like but it could be like the the whole um you know i, I keep thinking of george lucas when with this whole you know recut right um you know because he you know he talks like he named the movie episode four right Mm -hmm. um and so you you immediately think well what about one two and three right where are they right 
Uh, and it's kind of like Star Wars was, as I understand Star Wars, it was like they found this film reel and, and put it in the theater and showed it. And it was actually the fourth episode of whatever, right? Mm. Um, so that kind of leaves, leaves Lucas with the opportunity to do the first four movies. And of course, he's always claimed that there were six of them to come with. And now he claims there was nine. I mean, he's probably up to 12 or 15 by now. <laughs> but um, the, you know, it's almost like, like these are teasers put out there that, you know, um, he's kind of put these pieces in place and and it gives it gives um the producers whoever owns dc to the the license to come out with something that carries on those stories right so because i i mean i'm into the i'd be interested to see that sort of retro you know other world batman and joker being buddy buddy you know lethal well, weapon kind of that was an vibe, interesting right? scene because they're like working together but like but hating each other's hating guts, each yeah. other's guts clearly and um you know obviously referencing some very dark material in there and and they established that in the, in the previous uh, in the Batman v Superman movie that um we see Robin's costume and and there's an allusion to the fact that the Joker actually killed Robin right. and right. then there's or a, that's or, and that Batman let him die or somehow or well or, or failed him somehow and then and then there's also he makes a direct reference to Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad and the fact that uh you know she died horribly too and so there, there's all these sort of like dark twisted you know things going on there then the, they call it the nightmare sequence with a nightmare right okay um yeah, it's it's just weird. It's it, it became kind of a weird. That's right, yeah, it was a dream. He wakes up in a dream. Yeah, he was, he was dreaming that. Mm-hmm. But he does mention earlier in the movie that he had a dream vision of something that happened earlier in the movie. I forget what it was, but he mentioned to one of the characters that he he dreamt this sort of sequence. Well, I think he has another. He has a similar dream in uh, in Batman v Superman, right? Or does he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I think I think it's just weird. It's weird. I appreciate that they wanted to give Zach his like complete vision of you know I wanted to tell this. Story this way and this is what i would have done and so i'm going to do it this way but it becomes kind of vaguely unsatisfying in the end where you're like oh so they've sort of put all these cards on the table and then quickly said well but that's the end of it so i'm not sure how to feel about this in the end like i've gotten mm-hmm. to see the vision of what Zack snyder wanted to do with the dc universe in 2017 but since we're now in 2021 right. none of this is going to come to pass the only thing that's coming out of this still that's on the slate from DC is a Flash movie. And the rumor right, is right. that that Flash movie is going to still be Flashpoint, which is a time travel story that's going to involve different iterations of the Batman and, and some different stuff there. But that's that's it. Everything else is sort of off the table at this point. And so I, I heard, too, that Zack Snyder didn't want to get refused to get paid while he did this. He refused to get paid? Yeah, like he, he, he took percentages to, in, order, in order so that they would leave him alone to, do, to, to build this the way he wanted to. Hmm. So. What do they give him? They give him percentages of people who subscribe to HBO Max? How does that work? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if they do it based on like analytics tracking or something. Yeah. Well, and apparently he's not seen the, the 2017 cut. Like, um, Well, how could uh, you? His, I mean, yeah, his yeah. wife said, his wife and his friend said, don't watch it. You'll just cry. Well, I mean, having seen both versions, I mean, there's just, there's whole tangents in that other movie where you're like, what? Who thought this was? A, well, I know who thought this was a good idea, but yeah. Like, why? Um, yeah. So do you want to play this game? Like, uh, so I found an article that talks about 45 of the biggest differences between the two movies. Yeah. Did they I cheat mean, and um, like 37 of them are related to the Russian family <laughs> somehow? <laughs> like you remove their entire plot line? Their entire yeah, who cares plot line? You've got one. That's exactly that. That is one of the differences for sure. Yeah. The Russian family. We talked about the fact that Batman doesn't appear until much later. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, 
didn't have to worry about erasing Superman's mustache. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. Um, the, the 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 first part which we talked about with um, um, Superman and Aquaman's first sort of scenes together is much longer in this one. Oh, Batman. Um, yeah, Batman. And, yeah, sorry, Batman. And Aquaman's, it's a much longer scene. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the the women singing as uh, yep. as um, as Aquaman floats out to see, they all sing a little song and, and they pick up his laundry and do his laundry for him. Yeah, I don't know. It should be Icelandic or Norwegian or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think it was in, Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon no longer has a screenwriting credit. Oh, hmm, interesting. Yeah, sorry, Jaime, what you're saying? Uh, I, I think they were in Iceland, if I remember correctly. Mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. is is it a difference for Steppenwolf? I I could swear that he didn't really have a, a like a purpose in the first movie, like a motivation other than I'm evil. I got to collect the boxes, take over this world. Whereas in this yeah, one, he has a motivation yeah. of I'm doing those things, yes, because I want to kiss up and and reclaim my place because I've been you know falling yeah, out he, of grace for Darkseid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a different. He's also been rendered different in this movie right? they did a much better job with him he kind of looked like a video game character in the first one this one felt yeah. like they did they put some spit and polish on him yeah yeah let's see what else is there he spent yeah so bruce wayne spends more time outside of the bat cave yeah there's the whole the whole introduction of cyborg and the whole introduction of of the flash are completely different that including that yes exactly kind of questionable yeah. scene with the flash where they kind of introduce that he's you know uh both somewhat responsible for and then also responsible for saving a young woman who apparently is going to also be in the new Flash movie. That's Iris West. Oh, really? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Zack Snyder has a cameo in the movie. Oh, in which scene? The scene where Lois is coming out of the coffee shop. Oh, you know what I noticed in this one? The guy who played the cop that she kept interacting with, the guy she kept bringing yeah. coffee, that's yeah. the guy who plays a Jimmy Olsen in the original Christopher Reeve 19... 19- oh, really? No, I didn't oh, know that. Movie. Huh. Yeah, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I know that dude. Right, right. Huh. Let's see. What else? The Wonder Woman introduction is much is, is more inspiring when she says to the girl, you can do anything you want. Yeah, that was pretty damn cheesy. <laughs> is, I mean, I... I not if you're a girl. I appreciate the con- the concept. Well, you can be the token woman in a team full of men any day. Was yeah. Wonder Woman's <laughs> sequence at the bank was that different? Like I don't really remember her yeah, unnecessarily. It was way darker. The guy. way darker in this version. Okay, because like I don't remember him just getting blasted, <laughs> including yeah. the wall in the in the other version. Yeah, no, it's it, that scene is longer and it's certainly more built out. And yeah, it's way more violent. Like when she grabs that first guy and throws him against the wall, and the brain smear comes down the wall. I was like, oh, okay, we're going somewhere else with this now. Now. Right, right. The the battle for between Steppenwolf and the Amazons is for the mother box is much longer. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, the cards. The fact that there are cards in this movie is that there weren't cards in the other one. Yeah. Right. Um, Wonder Woman's theme the- is different. They play it more like a chant than the um uh, uh, the cellos. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, coming out of this, obviously, you know, Ray Fisher as Cyborg gets a lot more more play, and he's good. And I thought he was quite quite good. I could see why he was particularly. PO'd about his portrayal from one movie to the next. Like, if he was sold on, like, you'll be in this movie, you're going to be basically the, the the heart of it, as much as there is, to what he ended up with, I could see why he was as mad as he was. But I right. really, I came out of it again. I, I liked Gal Gadot. I thought she was really good. Um, she's just so, she has a natural confidence in every scene she's in. She's, she doesn't shrink from the other sort of godlike characters. And again, she's playing opposite, you know, some pretty heavy-hitting actors, too, at times. 
times. And she, she commands the screen at times. She's she's really quite good. Yeah. Certainly liked the, it better than scene, Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, they explain they explain to her uh, how she knows about the mother boxes with the arrow and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. I'm just whipping through this this list here. Um, Icky Sump Song is gone from the... Uh, oh, they took the white stripes out, yeah. Ackman thing. Yeah. Uh, William Defoe as Volko. Volko, yeah. Uh, Although, again, that's weird, too, because they they had teed up the Aquaman movie with some of that stuff. And then when you watch the Aquaman movie, he doesn't know Mera. He doesn't know Volko. Like, all that right, stuff is completely right. different. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's confusing in that way, too. Robin writes back as Antiope. Yeah, very briefly, yeah. Yeah, Darkseid is now a big, big, bigger, big, bigger catcher, bigger character. Yep, and Desaad's there. Granny Goodness is there. Uh, the Harry Lennox... Yeah. Uh, Marvin Marshall Man, Martian Manhunter characters in there. Yeah, I do think that I miss hearing Lex Luthor say, "Isn't it time we had a league of our own?" Mm-hmm. Um, so that that Deathstroke interaction is different. It is that whole scene. Yeah, well, has, in, he doesn't do the Batman yeah. Bruce Wayne reveal in the in the in the Joss Whedon cut, right? And, and actually, when they when they tell him to come out of his cell, it's actually uh, the actor, not uh, a substitute. I think, right? Um, you are not alone. Poster is seen in one scene. I'm not sure what the reference. Are you familiar with that? Oh, they don't know. Oh, doesn't ring a bell. Oh. It says has significant meaning to fans of the Snyder's. Well, I guess you're not real fans of the Snyder's. I, I, I'll, I'll have to wear that cross, I guess. I mean, the, the movie doesn't start with the Superman cell phone video, right? I mean, that's a, that's mm. a big difference. Mm-hmm. Or did that get put under right. the um, under the no mustache thing? <laughs> Again, I'm unclear how they bucketed these. So The scene where Cyborg meets Wonder Woman is different? Yeah, and they got rid of some of the quippy, clearly Joss Whedon-influenced stuff the the part where i think it's aquaman is like sitting on wonder woman's lasso and starts just spewing the truth at one point that's in the original cut that's not in, that's not in uh in Zack snyder's version yeah the drawing of the uh the, the flying monkeys people think it's batman at the beginning right right um, yeah they, they removed the whole piece about the parademons and the the like car alarm sounds which mm-hmm. ends up not getting used in batman's uh, magical mystery tour is he's shooting up all the all the different buildings and stuff right causing yeah. chaos in the final battle oh, can, oh, we, can we just briefly talk about the stupid goggles they put on batman for that whole final sequence my god that's so stupid <laughs> what a stupid look after the, the like goggles oh my god like it honestly it did it felt like you know oh let's do something campy like oh just that was so bad yeah i mean the resurrection of superman is different too and that they're they like say at the very last second oh no we shouldn't do this and yeah. flash yeah. makes time yeah. go yeah. backwards so that you can time it correctly for the the, the jump start but i think i think in the, in the original movie isn't it like uh this one they all agree to do it or they all agree to to do it together right or it's done separately before yeah yeah, yeah i'm not I, sure I, I, it was a little different i think um but i, I i've pressed for what the actual differences are it'd be hard to tell yeah i went to take a look right before this uh, movie was released on on crave here in canada i thought oh you know maybe xavier's right maybe we should watch the other one just so we're sort of refresh our memories of of its excellence and i took a look and it's not available on any streaming services that that i subscribe to and so the only way to to get it was to either rent it or or purchase it from the uh, itunes store and xavier said well you know we could do that i'm like but then 
then we'd be willingly paying money for that. <laughs> for what? <laughs> to own or rent a copy of Joss Whedon's Justice League. It's like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in good conscience I can do that, son. Yeah, I PVR'd it. That's how I watched it. Yeah. Right? So, because it was, it was shown on space a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's a new character, Ryan Choi, Star Labs um, guy. That was the other thing that they, they teed up. Ryan Choi is uh, in the comics. He's one of the characters who goes by the name The Atom. Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. they make a reference, especially in the final scene, that he his specialty is nanotechnology. So obviously, sort of foreshadowing that if they continued this path of the the DC uh, cinematic universe, that he would be the Atom. Yep, yep. Superman doesn't ask Batman if he bleeds. True. Mm. True. I, I also don't remember Miles Dyson dying in the Joss Whedon version. No, I think they didn't do that part. Yeah, he he dies to protect to to. Sorry, he, he basically he superheats the mother box so that they can track it to where it is in yeah, Chernobyl. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Lois Lane never no longer tells Superman he smells good. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't remember that one. That really happens <laughs> in the 2017 movie. Yeah. Wow, oh, man. Wow, um, I don't remember. The Russian that at family's all. gone, which Jaime got. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have the they have the scene, the sort of the freeze scene where you see uh, the five people in the Justice League sort of mm. together in the one shot. Oh, you mean the exact that, scene that, that they did the from the Avengers, yes. Yeah, Batman's in the car. Uh, Cyborg no longer says booyah. Yeah, I know they took that one out because that was a reference to the Teen Titans cartoon, right? And that was clearly a Whedonism. They added that in. Again, all of the... I, for good or for ill, they took out almost all the humor. And um, I mean, I don't think it fits the milieu of of a Zack Snyder movie, so I get why they took it out. But I'm not sure all of it was necessary to go, just because it was a little bit humorless. Yeah, yeah. the sign on Arkham says for the emotionally troubled yes no longer for these insane criminally insane criminally insane yeah i mean yeah we get to see batman and joker together arguably a big difference is that prior to flash going backwards in time the the heroes lose right because like in the 2017 version superman comes in whoops up on steppenwolf while nobody else needs to do anything randomly decides hey i hear people who are gonna die potentially let me go save them (laughs) instead of stopping the more urgent villain to give you know the rest of justice like something to do and this one he comes in he kicks butt they still lose right and it's only yeah. flash going back to to change some of that timing that says okay now they can all participate and just like completely overkill Steppenwolf right? yeah I feel like we kind of tapped out on Justice League. I don't know what else I have to say about it. It's yeah, probably think... worth a watch. If you're if, if you're a DC fan, you'll probably get more out of it. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, for me as being an HBO Max subscriber and um, also getting Godzilla vs. Kong, this movie is effectively free for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I watched it. I enjoyed it more than 2017. I'm not going to watch the black and white version because <laughs> I want to <laughs> watch four hours again just to see it with, you know, a different tinting. Um, no. uh, it is a little weird to have the the four by three IMAX thing, knowing that it is literally not being going to be displayed in IMAX. So I'm like, all right, I, I can deal with that. I'd say folks should should check it out if they liked the other Justice League movie, even at all. Um, what do you think yeah, for, for for a broad like you know for a, a sort of as a movie on its own? You know, do you think it holds up as it? That, that's where I really struggle with. It. I think I'm into it because I'm into it. I'm into the characters. I'm into the iconography, and I and I like Zack Snyder's filmmaking style to a certain extent but as a movie i don't think it's particularly good i don't think it's a good narrative i don't think the plot makes a lot of sense and there's certainly not enough character development for me to care very much about the characters so i think as a movie it's kind of a failure i think as a sort of a, a complete vision it's an interesting experience but i don't think it's a great movie 
Yeah, I, I do think coming back to Snyder, not caring about the average person, I think when you think about the the traditional difference between Superman and Batman has been, uh, you know, Clark Kent is the real person and Superman is the secret identity and Batman is the real identity and Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne is the, the secret identity. Um, I feel like Snyder definitely leans like, no, both of those, <laughs> both of those, the actual superhero part is the one who matters. And that's where it is different. And, and maybe a good jumping point to, to roll over into the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and that uh, we talked about the Marvel stuff being sort of generally different. I think some of it is sort of necessarily so, right? Like the DC mm. characters are so iconic. That I could just go ask random people of any age, here's a picture. Who is this? And they'll be like, oh, that's Wonder Woman. Oh, that's mm-hmm. Superman. That's Batman. Marvel by and large doesn't have those. Like, yes, they do have some stars. Well, like the, the Spider-Man, but... you can make the case for, you know, Spider-Man. There's there's some Wolverine, there, Spider-Man. There's some, yeah. but Marvel didn't own those, right? Like, they, well, yeah. I mean, they didn't have the rights. Or, or, like Sony had the, those, right? And like, yep. the even as popular as like Wolverine is like, I would not be able to show random grandparents on the street. Yeah. Who is this? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they yeah. saw the more recent ones, right? So I think they sort of necessarily had to take the, the tactic of, okay, okay, our source material does tend to deal more with the human side of things versus mm-hmm. the, the godlike side of things as, as DC does. And for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we do see more like what is the real world impact of these people's lives, right? Like the Falcon has come back. It's five years later. His family life is messed up, right? Things got yeah. messy in his absence. Um, the, the Winter Soldier, Bucky, has come back and he is messed up from the things that he did when he was the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's dealing with that guilt. None of which, again, is very different from Justice League, where like they just do not get into those human aspects. It's about how do the gods fight? In this case, even though there is action and it does serve the story, and some of it is pretty cool, like the first sequence with um, the Falcon um, and then the, uh, the Desert Canyon is great. Yeah. But it's still like the heart is these broken people who yes. are struggling to reintegrate into society, even though they are like Instagram stars, like people want to take photos with them. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I, I think it, it comes back to what I mentioned before i think the root of the marvel universe has always been way more grounded and it is in these people being these characters being people as well as being heroes whereas i think the dc strength has always been that these are these you know godlike characters these these you know icons and i think you know this one very much starts off with you're right like that the scene with sam flying through the, the the desert and trying to stop the the plane from getting away and the helicopters and the squirrel suits and the again great action beautiful scene probably more money spent on that than than you know any tv show to date other than maybe game of thrones um really cool stuff however you're right the heart of it is you know is his relationship with his sister it's his his relationship with steve even though steve isn't in the show his relationship with you know being a hero like it's so emotional and nuanced in a in a very affecting way that that you know, it really does speak to the sort of chasm between the way they portray their characters. Yeah. And, and I think very similar to how, um, loss and, and grief are the big themes for several of the characters in WandaVision. I'm getting the impression here that legacy is the big theme here where, um, 
yeah. Bucky, the Winter Soldier, wants to to get past the legacy, the negative legacy that he has, and uh, the Falcon is unsure about taking on a legacy that he feels he is not uh, worthy of. Right? Yeah. Referencing Steve, and then and then to, I guess semi spoilers for Tim here, and then to see that legacy by the government thrown back, sort of in his face, of like, oh, yeah. they, they went ahead and gave it to another guy. He's like, wait, what? And, and not just another guy, another white guy. Like, I, I think that's oh, going to yeah, be really yeah, yeah. the thing that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing them where how far Marvel will push into some of this stuff. I thought the stuff that they did with him and his sister trying to get the loan where the guy is like, hey, you know, I really want to take a selfie with you and all this stuff. But then he also won't extend him the loan. And, you know, obviously there's racial overtones to some of that. And then I'm really curious to see how far they go, particularly in the, in the next episode about getting into, uh, you know, the role that race may play in him being or not being Captain America and the perception and, and all that stuff too. I, I I think this could be a really again, a really ballsy play by Marvel if they go down that road. Yeah, yeah. Speaking um, of grounding things in reality, like what's more real than talking about race in America? Yeah, it's it's a a very timely a very timely topic for for this. Um I don't know. I I was pretty excited by by what I saw. It's kind of interesting that that folks who are watching this and WandaVision week by week felt like they were a little bit of a slow burn and I just mm. I just don't feel it that way. I feel like look, you know, it would be way too slow. Like if you'd gone an hour into this 2-hour movie and this is as far as you got, probably not fast enough, but yeah. given that it is a limited series, I think you can take some time to set things up. Uh, yeah, not indefinite time, and I do think there's probably a very good reason why they had the very exciting action sequences pretty early on in this one. But I kind of like the the slower pace of let's work our way into this. Let's set the context. What are the yeah. the the ground rules that these characters are dealing with. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was cool. I'm looking forward to the, the rest of the season. Yeah, I really liked and, and something I think we've talked about in the past on this show is the the real refutation of the of the the we drop all the episodes at once culture the 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 devour the episodes you know stranger things is here we're dropping 14 episodes and they're all going to land on you at once and the conversation about it's going to be hot and heavy but it's only going to last like a week going back to that original model that sort of traditional tv model of week after week subsequent weeks but not as far back as you know uh episodic television where you know oh and they take a hiatus here and they take a break there but actually being like back to back to week 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 after week is so much i think more enjoyable as much as obviously there is this part of me that's like oh i'd love to be able to just sit and devour this because it's really good i like having it parsed out where i can think about what's happened and i can really you know start to strategize now that may have backfired a little bit with one division where people were going way too far mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. speculation but i think it's i think it's really healthy in the same way it was for game of thrones in the same way that it was for the mandalorian i think it's really healthy to have that that little bit of a break where you can really digest and appreciate the episodes in a, in a healthier way in WandaVision for sure. Whereas, you know, I, I do find that those those big sort of Netflix-esque drops of, of episodes in one big go, it's really hard to have those things. You know, how many times have, have you and I and Tim gotten into those conversations where we're really struggling with, you know, oh, I'm on episode five. Oh, I've already finished the whole thing. Oh, you got to finish this. And oh, we got to talk about that. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you never really tend to get aligned with your friends. You don't have that shared experience of, you know, oh, we all watched it. Oh, we could talk about it. You know, it, it really does change the enjoyment for me in 
that way. And I think, I think I enjoy it more this way. Yeah, definitely. You can, you can sort of digest a bit more, like you were saying, but, and it seems to me like, cause I mean, Amazon's doing it now with, they did it with heroes and they're doing it with more shows. And now, the boys. Right? Yeah. And, and, um, a few other ones that I've watched too, they've done the same thing. And then, um, uh, Disney's doing it for sure. And so is Apple. Right. So, um, it's, it's, it's much better, much more enjoyable. I mean, you know, some things you want to just get through and, and that works okay. But yeah, like I, I find it very disappointing. Like, like you said, you can't, you know, you can't go to work and talk to your friends. You have to avoid Twitter or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it does really build you, the hype too. Like it's way easier to sort of build the momentum on some of these things, I think, because you are. I just wish they wouldn't show them all on Friday afternoon though. Right? Well, I mean, basically <laughs> they go up at, at midnight Pacific time uh, and then wherever you are, it sort of translates from there. So I have friends who stay up until three in the morning on, on Thursday nights or early Friday mornings and watch it as soon as it comes out. Well, the, you mean like the, the, from other channels? Because I mean, Apple. No, this is only... this is the uh, the Disney Plus, the the Mandalorian, okay, WandaVision, oh, okay. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're all going Because Apple stuff comes out at five in the afternoon, right? Yeah, the, these are going up at, at 3 a.m. Eastern time uh, or midnight uh, on the West Coast. So Thursday night, sort of. Thursday, Thursday night, yeah. yeah. So hmm. some people are staying up and 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 watching it at that point um oh 3 a.m right okay, yeah okay, yeah right. if you if you want to watch it in in, in our ne- neck of the woods yeah you got to step till three in the morning to watch it and you know the one division episodes were a little shorter the duration of the show is the same but the episode the lengths are shorter so you know you got a half an hour so you got to step till 3 30 in the morning or 3 40 in the morning to watch a one division episode you got the falcon and the winter soldiers less episodes longer run times so you got to what you know stay up till four almost if you want to stay up and watch those and that's assuming that you know all of your friends are doing the same thing so that you can gather around the virtual water cooler or the zoom meeting and have a conversation about the next day so oh the last thing i wanted to say about the the you know drop all episodes at once versus uh tease them out um i think the the teasing them out to to expound upon what jonathan had said works for these shorter seasons and we're talking like you know series that are 13 episodes or fewer i think that works because it's not like oh man i'm gonna be i have to be in here for 26 episodes you know for like normal people television that you would see on on the air for like abc cbs fox etc um and it's uh it's a short enough time that that it doesn't feel like it's it's dragging on and i think it has a benefit in that if you're somebody who for whatever reason missed the beginning parts you could reasonably catch up and enjoy the week by week hype like for example um i did not see the first season of the mandalorian and i did not see like three quarters of the mandalorian as it was live and i was able to binge through that you know granted with some concerted effort because it was almost two full seasons at the point but it was still possible to binge to catch up to real time and then enjoy things going forward with the rest of the, the you know fandom and i think that's that's plausible here too right so tim you you missed the first episode of the falcon and winter soldier well no biggie you can tomorrow uh watch two episodes right. you can wait like three more weeks and be like ah, whatever I'll, I'll binge and then you know i'll watch the final two episodes with everybody else it, it gives you that option of of you know all you can eat and also being able to partake in the oh well what 
what does this mean? You know, did that little hand signal mean that like Mephisto's coming in to the <laughs> to this one or what's going on, right? Like you can you can participate without it being um like compared to to Stranger Things, which is great that it, it drops all at once, but it is a little intimidating to be like, I gotta finish this this weekend, otherwise come Monday morning I will have to tell people, Hey, 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 spoiler alert, I'm only on episode eight. I still need two more episodes to go. <laughs> yeah. And on the other hand, National Geographic Channel is showing Genius, which is a great show. The first season was on Einstein, second season was on Picasso. This season is on Aretha Franklin. And they showed two episodes on Sunday night. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll set my PBR to record the series on Sunday nights, right? But then I didn't know that they were showing them in four consecutive nights. Mm. So all eight episodes have gone by now, and I've missed them. Mm. I've watched the first two. So, and then, of course, now they say, oh, you can stream it, you know, whatever. But it's not, it's not online anywhere yet. Even even if you go to buy it from Apple, it's it's only they're only selling the first two episodes. Hmm. Well, yeah, really annoying. But uh, yeah, it's the, the reverse of like that's network television that's messing up, you know, my life. Anyway, let's move on to a watch list, shall we? So I'll go up first because mine's brief. Um, it's a new show called Bliss. I think it might be out already on Amazon Prime, um, starring um, Owen Wilson <laughs> and Thelma Hayek, and. Um, uh, it's sort of a take on Matrixy kind of stuff. It's sort of a dream. He, this guy's in a dream, and she kind of snaps him out of it. And I have a feeling it's going to be which is the real reality kind of TV show. But yeah, interesting looking sci-fi sci-fi adventure issue thing. So hmm. probably similar to that uh, Palm Springs movie. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's mine. Cool. You're up, Jaime. Yeah, I've got my Justice League bonanza here. I've got um, Honest Trailers take on Justice League, the Snyder Cut. And if you wanted a longer and different take on this same topic, there is Zack Snyder's Justice League pitch meeting from folks that do pitch meeting on YouTube. So worth a watch, especially if you like um, some of the, the cutting, skewering kind of analysis for this type of, uh, you know, event movie. And my other watch list item is by the time this episode goes out, and certainly before uh, the next one uh, is going to be recorded uh check out godzilla versus kong coming out on march 31st on hbo max no idea in your native territories crave or similar right. i think i heard but, uh, oh you uh, know uh, godzilla versus kong here is uh premium vod only so you cannot get it on crave uh so you will have to pay 30 dollars if you wish to watch it or not so or like, not and, and who's the providers there is it like canada.gov or like <laughs> i'm not I'm unclear what premium <laughs> video on demand is like it doesn't sound like a service it sounds like oh well like i, on I believe iTunes that or Amazon i believe that's it means you can get it through uh cineplex which is our major movie chain up here we'll probably have it apple will probably have it uh but yeah you you won't google, you won't, google play will have it yeah google will have it you won't it, but you won't it. you'll have to get it through a, a you know a non-licensed uh, or a non uh, affiliated organization it's not like it's on a, a channel you can watch mm-hmm. once again sticking it to the canadians at least we have the vaccine anyway carry on john <laughs> uh top of my list is a show that's actually premiering uh tonight or first thing tomorrow depending on your perspective uh it's invincible the cartoon adaptation of the image comic series by walking dead creator robert kirkman co-created this series as well uh and it's one of my favorite comics from the last 20 years. There haven't been a lot of, I would say, um, 
series that have really captured my imagination, comic hero type stories that have really captured my imagination, imagination over the last number of years. Usually it's people recycling a lot of characters or telling new takes on old characters. This is a, a sort of a whole new thing. So the idea is that Mark Grayson is uh, a young man whose father is the greatest hero uh, on Earth, Omni-Man. And he is hopeful that someday he will also develop powers. But so far, he's a teenager and he has no abilities. And as the story sort of breaks, he starts to develop his powers. And it's about sort of, you know, learning at his father's side and his sort of uh, coming of age story with a lot of wrinkles along the way. Um you know, it's it is in the comic. It's a pretty uh, real. There's a you know, it's it's kind of hyper violent at times. It's it's um, it really does kind of follow the Peter Parker mold of, you know, would you do the right thing no matter what, you know, the consequences, um, you know, how far would you go to right wrongs uh, as, you, as you're learning to become a person in your teens and stuff like that. It's not quite with great power comes great responsibility but there's certainly some elements of that and it is a fantastic comic book story uh, that has been told beginning middle and end and i'm really curious to see how that adapts to uh an animated thing uh steven wen uh the um or yun yun i can't recall how he pronounced the last name from the walking dead is the lead he plays mark um it is an all-star cast seth rogan uh it just there's just an amazing cast list for the show playing all these different parts it's really epic so i hope it continues for a long time it really this the story of mark and his life and where his stories take him is is really grand very very visionary um if you're a fan of the concept of the walking dead if not the execution um you know kirkman is really good at um sort of taking a look at you know not just the decisions you make but how you live with those decisions that's what the walking dead was at its root and that's what this show is at its root uh, and it's it's I'm really excited to see what what comes of this one. Cool. The other thing I tagged in here was just a funny one and I had to share it with you guys. I don't know that I'm actually going to see this, although maybe, you know, maybe. So I'm still feeling stung and hurt by the cancellation of the Dark Crystal television series on Netflix. I thought it was brilliant and visionary and incredible. And I'm I'm I waited so long to see more of that world. And I'm still gutted that they didn't do a second season or more of that. But the good folks at the Royal Opera House in uh, London, let's say, it, they are putting on a Dark Crystal ballet. Okay. Dark Crystal, the Dark Crystal Odyssey, a new dance work for family audiences, is coming to the Royal Opera House hmm. in the future. <laughs> uh uh, it's it sounds like the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's the Royal Opera House in in, in England. Uh, I'm I'm just fascinated at the concept of somebody taking this incredibly vivid work and turning it into a ballet. And I I'm not a ballet fan, in spite of my uh, upbringing. And I I must admit I'm I'm absolutely intrigued to know how they would do that. You know, hmm. th this is one of the rare times at which my, um, as a very young child, getting an opportunity to see Ewoks on ice 
<laughs> comes into play. <laughs> it's one of the rare times that this this trivia of my life. No wonder you're scarred about hockey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so the Ewoks Walter and the Magic Sunberries. We forgot to mention Walter Gretzky. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so the Ewoks and the Magic Sunberries is apparently uh, the the official title, but there was this whole ice capades thing. So basically, you know, characters that children like, you know, performing what's essentially like a play, a kind of ballet style. To be quite honest, right? It's very similar, um, but on sheets of ice, right? Uh, I, I assume they repurpose hockey rinks or something. And uh, this particular one, Ewoks on Ice, is based on the Ewoks animated series. So, oh, as love it. strange as it seems, yeah. I could 100% see the Dark Crystal as a ballet. Apparently, they are having. Uh, I've been. Just, I'm just looking at one of the articles written about it. They say uh, it is going to involve. Um, Puppets and props from Jim Henson's Creature Shop. So it is going to be a hell of a thing. And it is coming in the 2021-2022 season at London's Royal Opera House. If they have ballet. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I got to admit, I'm a little fascinated. I think we should... Would you fly to London for it? I I don't know that I would fly to London for it. But I I would hope that at some point we start to see, you know, leaks of the costumes and and perhaps some of the the stuff online. I I don't know that I would go that far. You know, it could be one of those, you know, um, uh, mother-son trips. You know, I I happen to know a really popular... Uh, a big big ballet fan so you know yeah for sure very weird but very interesting all right well guess what that that's it for another episode folks so hi many people want to get in touch with you where would they find you i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair and jonathan people want to get in touch with you i'm on twitter and instagram as at jpk news and as usual i am tim mitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is where you'll find me until next time we'll see you in the future bye 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. this okay so i as nutty as it sounds take a look at the like second photo here of now imagine i don't know how good you are like i I know canadians are born of the snow right and they just like emerge fully formed uh from the ice but i don't know that your your ice skating skills would be so good that you'd be willing to strap on that sort of costume with limited visibility like you're on the masked singer constantly like skate around we're raised like that dude are you kidding Skate that's around how, that's how our parents dress us for our first skating trips. They like going out to the pond, put on your Ewok costume.
<laughs> yeah. So we used to have, we have um, Sesame Street on ice. And oh yeah. All ice capades and all. Well, kinds and there's of a whole like Dis- a whole Disney thing through there too. All the Disney characters they would do Disney shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they've done a whole bunch, out, but all all swill before the might that is Ewoks on ice. <laughs> Were you actually right, a fan right. of that show, or was it uh, just something that happened during your childhood? I was a fan of the show, but I have literally not seen it since probably around that time in my life. So I, I need to check mm. to see if it's on Disney Plus and see if I'm just you know what I think it was actually offended. in that same article. I think they said that that uh, it might be coming to the to Disney Plus as well. I got to watch that because let me tell you, I've um, I've uh, watched rewatched some uh, old He Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoons, and I was a mm. huge fan again, probably around the same age as. As a child, I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> Why do kids like this? <laughs> this is yeah. so dumb as an adult. <laughs> it's the E E E E E E Ewoks. Yeah. And the droids. I like the droid cartoons. Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. I, I I just, uh, since we were in a lockdown here for more than three months straight, um, we weren't allowed to go out for anything non-essential. So uh, that happened since Christmas time straight through till about two, not even two weeks ago. So I hadn't seen uh, one of my closest friends uh, to, to be able to exchange Christmas presents. We finally went out. Uh, we took, when the, the, the lockdown lifted a couple weeks ago i took my one of my dogs down and and we went for a walk and he gave me my christmas present and my christmas present is some original animation cells from the ewoks cartoon hand drawn original cells of uh a bunch of the characters the princess and and low gray and all these different things is a very very cool gift nice Hmm. oh clubhouse jonathan clubhouse yes so i don't know if you what you know about it or what you've heard about it oh um very little okay so it's it's basically a like it's like a panel at a at a, at a conference. Like um, so, what you do is you set up events, and you can either just have an impromptu conversation. Like yesterday, you know, Jaime couldn't make it to taping of more than just code. So Mark and I, who are both members with Jaime, um, we started an MTJC club, and you know, we have like seventy followers or whatever. It, it's nice because we, as as podcasters, we actually get to talk to our fans, right? Mm. And they get to talk to us, right? So we go on there, we we make a list of like five or six topics you know related to to our podcast plus we also talk about clubhouse and pandemic and stuff and um what it is is you you basically you join a a, a, um, a media like a meeting you can either sit in the audience and listen or and there's also a grouping of if there's like three or four people on the stage it also has a grouping of people who follow those people like a sort of a you know they sit up at like almost like a vip area and if people want to say something you they can raise their hand and you let them up on the stage and so that they can interact with you so it's like a way of meeting and greeting your fans but also getting their interpretation of the Zack Snyder cut or or you know how, what, what they remember about Ewoks on ice or whatever <laughs> um, so like I said you can you can have impromptu things or we can plan to have like an event like you know we can say hey Saturday meet the you know hosts of more than just code right and we all jump on together and, and away we go and the way it works is if people who people it's just like Twitter and that kind of stuff you follow people people follow you and when you're online, they get a notification to say, hey, you know, the podcast is online or Tim and Jaime are having a conversation. You can also tweet out, like if you plan an event, you can tweet out about the event and it'll say, I'm going to be talking about, you know, Snyder Cut on with John and, and with JPK and, and Dev with the Hair kind of thing, right? Hmm. Um, but the way it works is, is you, you know, you, you have to be invited in to join it because it's still in beta. Okay. 
but there's like a well over 2 million people already using it. Like, you know, it got famous because people like Elon Musk and, and Zuckerberg and Bill Gates have gone on, right? right? When they go on, thousands of people join a room. Of course, yeah. You know, um, just to just to be in the same room with them. <laughs> but yeah, and it, it's interesting because you can meet people around the world and stuff like that too, right? So so if you're into it, we will send you an invite and you can we can do it under the MTJC sort of club and, um, you know, because our more than just whatever podcasts, right? Yep. Um, we can we can do it that way. So yep. I'll send you an invite. Fire it up. Alrighty. I love to I interact with our fans. Yes. So yeah, it's a good time we'll be had by all. For sure. And it's it's twenty four hours, seven days a week kind of thing. Does that mean we have to be accountable to our fans twenty four hours a day? Oh wait, it says Jonathan Kuline just is on the wait list. Let them in. I just just added myself. I am at JBK News on uh, on Clubhouse. Oh, good for you. Right. Tim Mitra moved you to the front of the wait list. Oh, look at that. I moved you to the front of the wait list or I invited you it in? It said, Tim Mitra moved you to the front of the wait list and your Clubhouse account is ready. Open or install Clubhouse to get started. Cool. Oh, sure enough. Welcome to Clubhouse. You're Tim's friend. <laughs> let's set up your, should, oh, let's set up your profile. Well, all right, let's do that. Yeah, and you can find me and follow me too, right? So I don't want to do that. That's a commitment. Yeah, well, here, let me see. Let me see if I'm going to add you to the, can I invite people to the to the club, to the MTJC club? We could, we could also spin off a, a podcast. Well, Let's right, find so. your friends. Okay. Yeah, don't I don't add my friends. You can it's up to you. Apparently they only store the phone number. Mm. Yeah. But uh, and then then you know, so if one of the phone numbers is in your contact shows up, they'll send you a notification, right? But I did that for the first while and then I went back in and turned off my contact so they don't want them. Well, I'm curious to see who's on there now. So uh, of your friends? Uh, there's some. There's there's certainly some. It's it's the people honestly I would have expected to be on there. <laughs> it's it's my yeah. friends who will work in social media and uh, some mm-hmm. some famousish people I know. Well, there you are. I can follow you now. I'm following you. I mean, could follow you too, but I guess he's ignoring you. Did uh, I? I did not turn on notifications for Clubhouse. So yeah, I don't have I don't have notifications turned on either. I gotta go in. But I do get. Oh, oh no! Well, you know what I did? I turned I turned I turned them on, but I turned them down. Like I don't want to be because you get notified all day long, kind of thing, right? Yeah, I don't need when you know random people start a room. It's like kind of need to know when the important folks, not the riffraff. So there's a wheel where you can go in. And then, yeah, I have my notifications set to infrequent. The normal is like, normal is you're going to get notified anytime, like, you know, somebody you follow goes online. Infrequent means you'll you'll get maybe a couple of notifications during the day. You can also turn it to very infrequent, right? Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. also pause notifications. And you can add interests to your uh, thing. So, John, if you look at my port, my, I went on, I went to a, a how to use Clubhouse thing a couple of weeks ago. Okay. If you look at my profile, you see how I've got it laid out, right? Um, oh, I can do this right now. I can invite you to Clubhouse. Just send We'd love for you to walk them in. I'm wa- I am walking them in. What are, what, what are they talking about? Anyway, um, yeah. But if you look at it, see, I've got emo- I've got emo- emojis and I've got like words. So when people search for these words, you know, my my profile will come up under a search, right? So if somebody puts in MTJC, you know, or or podcast or Apple icon or iOS or whatever, right? Toronto will will result in my coming up on a list in a search. Okay. Right? Yeah. Well, let me let me dig into this a little bit. Again, I, I took a quick look at it when you guys mentioned it before, but I really hadn't. It's been a bit of a stretch. I'm actually developing another podcast, so uh, it's been. Are pretty you? busy. Oh, interesting. Everybody's got a podcast except you, Jaime. Well, I'm not actually on the podcast. I am the producer of the podcast, so oh. thank God for that. <laughs> so 
that just means I have to do a lot of the lifting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm in another podcast with with uh, Tammy right now too. She just started a new one. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So are we gonna are are we gonna try and pull her back in for just like a single episode to talk about Firefly? Yeah, I think we should because I mean it's been a long running joke with me and her. Oh yeah, we've been doing. I was excited when she said for... she wanted to do it. I thought that'd be fun. Oh no, and then and then like I, I pinged her and said, "Have you have you watched the first episode?" Because I just I just I bought it on iTunes because mm. I don't have a copy of it. Mm-hmm. So I bought it and sort of, I watched the first episode and I said, have you watched the first episode? She said, dude, I'm on episode seven. <laughs> like, no, great. And then she, she just watched the movie on the weekend. So I said, okay, now eat your hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it's funny because, because a couple of our friends who like one, one lady does a uh, show called Sestracast where she, yeah, she's the one that uh, does the she, episodes of, uh... yeah, she did do one. Epi- so she had a friend who'd never seen it before. So they would watch, she would watch it like so she had the newbie perspective plus the seasoned you know person who's been through the whole series um gene mcdonald she also she's also the one that wrote the the um voyager uh, viewing guide where she rated each episode by by its watchability mm. <laughs> um yeah and uh and john wilker he's been on we've he's been a host of ours we, we've hosted him as a guest on roundabout a couple of times and you know when we asked him who his you know his inspiration was he said malcolm reynolds and, <laughs> that was and, my answer and, hey was it yeah you too right yeah. and and so so like uh and tammy's like who yeah no i when i did mine <laughs> i think she knew at that point because she said oh another one great yeah yeah something like that yeah because because every now and then i'll i'll if we have a guest on it, as soon as i get any inclination that they're a sci-fi fan i'm like so can we talk about fire uh, firefly and tammy just rolls her eyes right so. yep Definite jab. Yeah, so Hell has frozen over. Tammy watched all of Star, all of Firefly. But it'd be interesting to see now what what she thinks, like of, of you know the fact that it's only thirteen episodes. I mean, it is a bit hokey. I'm watching it again, and you can see that it's got that sort of was it nineties or two thousands when it was done? Uh, ooh, I think it would have been early two thousands, two thousand two thousand. Yeah, it's got it's got that sort of filmed on a set kind of look to it in a, in a sense. It's, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not, not quite a, as timeless, but then it's certainly yeah. there are parts of it that that are are going to hold up well the movie's fantastic oh right? it is yeah. it's really good yeah yeah it's again we'll, we'll save it for when we get into it there's there's a lot to like and a lot to uh to, to digest about that show and movie and legacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but yeah if uh so i think jaime's right i think it'd be great for us to circle back and do an episode at the end of uh, falcon and the winter soldier because i think there's going to be some good conversation there um but if she's up for doing an episode in between or or after we could certainly get into that too mm-hmm. 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 so maybe check with her and we'll maybe chat it around in uh in our uh slack and see cool. yeah I'll, I'll convince her to come on she was she was a bit leery after that like i said the the backlash against josh whedon yeah especially in relation to the the snyder cut which again you know what when you get hired to come and finish a job like you know what are you gonna do well and josh is like you know some, he's not for everybody, even before all the sort of controversy around mm-hmm. his work. And now, yeah. you know, again, he's like, he's joined a long list of, of um, jerks. Call jerks. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, people who have, you know, issues with power and the use of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, respect is, you know, sometimes not easy to give out for people. Anywho. All right. Well, let's call it. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, guys. Yeah. See yeah. Bye. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.